It's the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Hello and welcome to a special year-end edition of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. On the show today we're going to be talking all about the best of British and European wrestling in 2018. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always are Ollie Court. Hello Martin. And Richard Benson. Hello. And um, I mean it doesn't end there. I mean if you thought Infinity War was the most ambitious crossover this year, then you you ain't seen nothing yet. We've joined forces <laughs> with the the fine folks from Spotlight on the Indie Corner. So also joining us today are Joe Lemon. Hello. And JP Hulahan. Hello. Lads, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on this uh, special edition. Really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join forces with us as as it might be. Pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, good good to have you on. And like I just noted, we're going to be running down what we consider to be the best moments from British and uh, European wrestling 2018. So without further ado, I mean, Benno, you've got some categories for us that we're going to be going through on this show. Yeah, definitely. And what a show it is. Worlds are colliding in the corner and post-wrestling meeting. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be going through a few different categories. We're going to be talking uh, Breakthrough Star of the Year for 2018. We're going to be talking uh, Import of the Year and also Wrestler of the Year. It's its own category. We'll also be talking Show of the Year, Promotion of the Year, and a big one, Match of the Year too. Uh, we'll also have clips from friends of the show uh, going to be joining us, uh, as well as uh, Joe and JP, and we're going to be going through uh, their choices for Match of the Year and Wrestler of the Year as well. So, yeah, it's a, a big party atmosphere we've got here today. <laughs> it is indeed. I mean, uh, we, I mean, the show's got to go along anyway, so let's get straight into it. I mean, uh, first one we've got is a breakthrough of the year. I mean, um, this is for the wrestler who's really had a standout year, who maybe wasn't on everyone's radar at the end of 2017, but has really made it a name for themselves this year. And uh, Ollie, we'll go with you first. Yeah, it's been... Uh... Quite a year for a bit of a shake-up in talent, obviously, with a lot of NXT UK contracts being sealed. Um, sort of, you see a bit of a graduation there from, you know, the likes of British Strong Style and some of the other bigger names on the scene. It has left um, a little bit of a vacuum that needs to be filled and probably even more so next year. So these are sort of the guys who will be talking about who may be the front runners of filling that, that star power um for 2019 and for myself um it's been something a bit further afield where some of the newer stars are shining the brightest um outside of uh, the british isles and in fact you'd go to spain which really nobody was talking about at all before the end of last year as anything to do with wrestling um and you have to look at two guys a kid and carlos romo who have now become full-time wrestlers as Team White Wolf coming to Britain, but also holding down the fort in Spain, building that scene with uh, La Triple W and building something very, very exciting there. Um, obviously, for a kid, it was a, a, a major breakthrough for him was Dave Meltzer and Voices of Wrestling talking about his match and throwing five stars on it. In Meltzer's case, the youngest wrestler ever to receive five stars from Big Daddy Meltz. Um, you know, that was a major deal. And obviously a big recognition of what they've built there in Spain. Um, that match against Zack Sabre Jr. wearing his basketball shorts. Um, 
was a very emotional match in it. It was it was emotionally charged with that sort of fight and desire that they wanted to express in La Triple W and through Spanish wrestling, and it felt like a kid was fighting for relevancy literally against one of the biggest names on the indies. So it was it was a very good match to sort of be the one that finally broke through and got mainstream attention. And obviously his match with Ricochet um, from I think last year, late last year, got that sort of attention as well. So it it has definitely been a big year for. For White Wolf for promotion, but also specifically for Akid and Romo getting recognized on a big stage, having just tons of talent at a very young age. And also the guys who are inspired by this current generation of indie wrestling, you know, they, they were self-trained essentially and took inspiration from guys like Will Ospreay, which is which is awesome to think that sort of the people that we've been watching for the last five years are now inspiring the next generation of people who will be watching for the next five years to come. Um, and that this age of indie wrestling has has now cemented itself and cr- created its own stars and its own image in A-Kid and Romo. So I'm very excited to see what they'll do going forward. They are my breakthrough stars of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, me and you, Benno, were at that snow show uh, that Progress had in Sheffield last December, and uh, Adam Chase, as he was then, Carlos Romo, just turned up to uh, help set up the ring and ended up finding himself in a match, and I'd never even heard of him before until you were telling me who he was. <laughs> yeah, always bring your gear, kid. It's a good lesson, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that Sheffield show was a good uh, breakout for Aussie Open as well, who, who got a good spot on that car because of the weather too. So, yeah, o- always worthwhile, and it just shows you how he came over. He made the right contacts, went back home and just killed it and, uh, and got a reputation that well as well. So, yeah, plenty of things people can learn from Team White Wolf uh, as a whole. Yeah, definitely. Uh, JP? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have to say Team White Wolf is a great shout and, you know, only going to go from strength to strength in 2019. I've gone for someone uh, who's also not, a regular or hasn't really barely wrestled here before is coming over um, at the end of the month, but it's become a big star this year in WXW. Um, and that's Bobby guns. He started off the year. He just sort of at the 17th anniversary show, he just won the shotgun title. And basically it felt like this was the year, particularly at 16 carat where he became a headliner for WXW and representing the the future of the company and the directions they're going to possibly go in. Um, saw him live for the first time at uh, 16 Carat and he completely blew me away. And it was weird. It was the reaction actually being in the ambition match that he was in, the shoot style tournament that they have over the weekend that's early on the Saturday. And seeing him in there with Timothy Thatcher and the crowds had come up with the guns, Bobby guns chant, which even as I say it, it's completely stuck in my head now and probably won't leave for the entire recording of this. Um, the matches he's had have been dramatic. He works a style that is really easy to get involved in. It's subtle enough and technical enough to kind of appeal to me as a sort of pure wrestling fan, but at the same time, the whole King of Smoke style, the aura he brings across, he felt like a main event of that weekend. And then being there live for the match he had with Ilya Dragunov, um, which was one of the most incredible live experiences I've ever had at a wrestling show. Um, yeah, going through it, there are so many good wrestlers this year who've had really great years. And I think that's 
possibly being able to work with so many good wrestlers at the start of the year before the whole contract wars. But Bobby Guns is the one who sticks out for me. Yeah, um, I've looked at this from a slightly different perspective. So I've gone for someone who was an established star last year and really for years past. Um, but for me, has really just elevated himself in a way that I think he was he could have done years ago if he had the kind of determination and the will to do it. And he's found that in the last year. And that's Walter. Um, now, obviously, it's a bit of a different choice to Bobby Gunn, say, or to Team White Wolf, because they're at completely different stages of their career. But when you assess where Walter was, say, at the beginning of 2017 and then at the end of 2017, yeah, he'd definitely come a, come a long way. But look at the amount of promotions that he worked in in 2017. And he worked in five promotions. And he didn't go over to the US until August of that year. Um, you look at the amount of promotions he's worked in 2018 and he's worked in 25 promotions and he's delivered everywhere he's gone and he's finally decided to actually kind of start traveling a little bit more and to not play it safe let's say whereas previously it seemed he had a really comfortable lifestyle really enjoyed his job as part of the wxw academy and the wxw setup but this year he's really found that extra something and it seems like he's kind of given himself a bit of a kick up the arse and said, I'm going to become a star. I've got all the tools that, I've, that you need to become a star. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to really kind of put myself in that upper echelon or echelon, let's say, of <laughs> great wrestlers and great indie talent. And I think not that I'm happy about the WWE signing, but I suppose at the end of the year, that was confirmation of this, you know, great year that he's had. And I think now he is the, he's been the indie star of 2018. For me, he's the Matt Riddle uh, or the, of two, what Matt Riddle was in 2017 or what Chris Hero was in 2016 on the indies. And I don't think you'd have maybe said that in years previous. Yeah, that's an interesting take on it because obviously we're all coming at it from the perspective of uh, people who, you know, were sort of unknown in 2017. But like, like you say, he hasn't really had a breakout year because it's interesting because he sort of did that uh, podcast with Flash Morgan Webster, I think maybe sort of like the tail end of last year, him and uh, Axel Dieter Jr. And he was saying, oh, yeah, Axel wants to go off around the world traveling, but I'm fine staying in Austria. And literally a month after that, he was going everywhere and doing everything so obviously something clicked in him that he was like nah i'm not just happy staying in germany i want to go all around the u.s and around uh, england and all over europe so yeah it's interesting that he uh, decided to go down that track and all the more better for it because like you say he really has had a a break at 2018 he seems to be have, have been ticking off a load of box before he goes to wwe doesn't he Exactly. And he was having high level matches for years previous as well. The, obviously, the Ilya match in 2017, I think, was a massive moment for him and a massive moment to get people talking about him kind of around the wrestling world, whereas previously maybe he'd only been getting talk in Europe. Another thing for me that really confirmed his status as a star, and this may sound a little bit ridiculous, but it was when I saw he was on Stone Cold's podcast. <laughs> for me, that was like, yeah, he's kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah in that top tier now because Austin's not going to have anyone on his podcast really and it was kind of two worlds collided hearing him talking to say stone cold Steve Austin and for me that kind of got across that ambition and how he'd kind of fulfilled that ambition this year and really kind of taken the wrestling world by storm whereas it felt like it had been sort of waiting to happen for years if anything you know that he sort of felt like a Chris Hero or a Matt Riddle figure obviously 
he's kind of the first European to feel like that. He's really dominated the year of independent mm. wrestling. So he's kind of, you know, a figurehead for the Euro scene taking over from the American scene, which has kind of been destroyed by, you know, who <laughs> the last couple of years. Um, and maybe the Euro scene will feel that wrath in the coming years, but it did feel like a bit of a changing of the guard and Walter was the figurehead of that. Yeah, really great point, I think. I didn't think about it from that perspective either. Um, and I think if you look at the sheer amount of times he was brought over to the US this year as well, and he was brought over to the UK and to Ireland, I think that just confirms just what a hot talent he's been in the last year and how many people have wanted him on their cards. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm going to follow I'm gonna follow Joe's kind of line of logic there because I was kind of looking at it, trying to think of a name uh, of somebody I could go with and you know Bobby Guns is a good shout team White Wolf's a good shout as well but following Joe's line of logic I mean I've actually I'm going to go with Jordan Devlin um I mean we all knew who Jordan Devlin was last year and he's been around for absolutely forever I think has he been training I think it was like 14 15 years ago we yes, talked about when he first started yeah. training it's crazy isn't it I've seen him joking around with the likes of Scotty Davis on on Twitter, kind of saying, you know, you're in two years, you've almost done as much as I did in the first twelve years of my career. Um, but yeah, just kind of based on what Joe's saying there, I, I see Devlin as somebody who's broken through as a top guy this year. I think that's how I would define breakthrough for Jordan Devlin this year. I just think he's improved in so many ways. I think his look is much better, and I think the WWE diet's got something to do with that. I think his workers is good as it's ever been. He's got a poise. He's got a confidence. Even his mic work, which, you know, if you think back to that Nightmare 205 Live segment last year um, and other indications really last year where he was okay on the mic, whereas this year I kind of liken him to a, like an AJ Styles who was never any good on the microphone, but when he, got com- when he was confident and he was comfortable as he is now, it works. And I think it works for Jordan Devlin and seeing him work as a heel in wwe um has certainly kind of he's shown a bit more confidence on the microphone and obviously uh in ott where he does his his greatest work i think he's been a lot more comfortable both in those sit down video segments backstage and and just just also as just a, a guy who can it kind of leads the promotion both in the way he talks and and in the way he acts but yeah i just think this year he's kind of forced his way into being a pushed guy in nxt uk when you know, I wouldn't have imagined he'd be on this takeover card going into 2019. I kind of always thought that he was going to be a guy that slotters. Well, he's shifting Balor, isn't he? And he still gets those shouts, but he's kind of he's creating his his own place and things. He's become somewhat of a push guy in progress. I think that's more to do with the promotion stopping and starting with him because when he's been on shows, he's been over um, super strong style this year and is a. Uh, one-off appearance uh, in Manchester this year too, but most of it, and the, the biggest thing for me that's made him break through is just how much he's put OTT on the map this year. He's the guy there. The Walter match um, is a memory that's always going to gonna live on. He had Pete Dunne's best match in forever on NXT UK as well, and he had that Osprey match in progress as well that kind of gets forgotten too. Um, I just think that, that Jordan Devlin's just, he, he's kind he's the guy in Ireland right now, and I do think, yeah, he's he's broken through to that tip-top level um, right when the Irish scene needed it um, and right when just the overall European scene needed it. So, yeah, I'm going with Jordan Devlin. 
Yeah, I hate those uh, ballot comparisons, but um, to me, he's having like a better year than him. I know he's hampered by the WWE sort of like limitations there, but even when he was Prince Devitt, I think he's having some better matches than when he was uh, having, you know, on the uh, indie scene. And now that might be controversial, but yeah, for me, he's uh, he's uh, he's excelling more than uh, Devitt slash Balor did anyway. If you put if you put Balor in Jordan Devlin's place, what you know. Would he be able to do the same job? I mean, to an extent, I think yes. Um, I don't. I think Devlin's better on the mic. I think confidence and style are both about the same level. But yeah, as far as in ring goes, Devlin absolutely blows Balor away this year. And yeah, a lot of it is the WWE limitations. But yeah, I think I agree that even if Balor was on the Indies, I still think Devlin would have his number. Did Balor ever have a year this good when he was out on the no, Indies, no, New no, Japan? I, I don't think he no. did. And from a character mm. perspective, yeah, his 2000, mm. 2012, 2013, 14 was incredible. Like, absolutely loved that ride. But from a purely in-ring standpoint, I think Devlin's more than uh, more than surpassed him at this point. I think as well as if you had um, Devlin and uh, Devitt in the same promotion, uh, sorry, in OTC at exactly the same time, the fact that Devlin's really grown up in front of that ott crowd there's that there's that kind of intangible connection that he has with that audience Mm -hmm. that kind of tops off all of the things that you said benno about what makes him great in terms of his poise and his confidence there is it's that raw connection to the crowd and you know we see this on grander scales the likes of a daniel bryan where it kind of it, it transcends even what the book is trying to do because you, you kind of catch something. I think the only thing that saddens me is have we are we going to hit the apex of this very early into 2019? Well, that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously there's loads of speculation flying around about what's going on. We uh, contracted guys with uh, NXT UK, so yeah, hopefully um, you know that doesn't affect him too much. So uh, yeah, we're wait and see on that one i guess and uh, i've kind of cheated here and gone with a tag team for my breakthrough star of the year uh, i mean it's really hard to imagine now when these two guys weren't a staple of nearly every wrestling promotion in the uk and they aren't even british or european so uh, my <laughs> pick is aussie open kyle fletcher and mark davis i mean uh, they first made their own here in the summer of 2017, was it? And, uh, I mean, they were certainly impressive appearing in Fight Club Pro and on smaller progress shows. But for me, it's really been this year where they've uh, cemented themselves as one of the best. I mean, go back to the start of the year, they made their York Hall debut uh, against Evil and Sonata. They didn't look out of place there. They're always the highlights of uh, every card that they're on. Uh, I mean, some of the matches that they've had this year, CTK, the Brooks and uh, Gresham version, Mustache Mountain in Fight Club Pro, Bandido and Flamita in Red Pro, Kings of the North in OTT. I mean, they also impressed as part of that main event stable, uh, Shodan Freud. Can someone help me out here? (laughs) Shodan Freud. Schadenfreude in Fight Club Pro. I mean, where they had a great match against uh, Miko Setmore and Pete Dunne. And uh, they've ended uh, the year on a high on, uh, I mean, they're holding the progress attack and defiant tag belts. And um, I mean, without an NXTU contract, UK contract on the horizon, I mean, they look to be one of the big players going into 2019, definitely. I mean, also, um, as a flip side to that, Mark Davis has had two cracking matches against Walter in Progress and Defiant as a solo wrestler. So, yeah, definitely, it definitely seems to have been uh, the year of Aussie Open in 2018. Yeah, I kind of think 
for them, so, they were kind of my, last year. They were I had them on my list as, as breakthrough stars. So I definitely wouldn't call it cheating because it felt like they were on the cusp of it last year, though. Like you say, like that that snowy Sheffield show that both me and you were at, Martin. We talked about earlier. Now, that was another. For they were kind of as you say prelim acts in progress, and then they had that match with the Grizzled Young Vets, and it felt like they were then taken seriously to the point that this year, you know, they win the tag belts at, at Wembley, and yeah, with everybody else kind of. Uh, they're getting signed up to different contracts and disappearing. Aussie Open have become a, a staple, haven't they? They have so many promotions, and I think mm. so many promotions are going to rely on them in 2019. Do you think there's a hesitancy, though, to push Davis? Because I think after the Walter match in progress, it felt to me like that was the time in progress to go all in with him as a single in that kind of heavyweight position and to mm. maybe have him and Walter come together again at some point and have him go over Walter. It felt like there, it was a real opportunity that they haven't maybe t- made, made the most of. And could you argue that maybe the Aussie Open, um, as a tag team, they work really well together, but at the same time, is it maybe holding both of them back as singles in some way? Well, um, was was his match against, Davis's match against Walter, was that his... uh... Natural Progression Series cash-in. No, that was his uh, Atlas that, title match in Manchester in February. Yeah. He hasn't cashed in yet, has he? Hasn't he got still I mean, got that? Yeah. yeah. It's like the whole month to it, aren't they? But they've let the whole year expire. Unless it happens, maybe unboxing. Maybe um, you know, that'll happen yeah, before the, be the turn yeah. of the year. But yeah, it yeah, feels like there's maybe a little bit of hesitancy to go all in with them as a single mm. because there is Aussie Open there as well. But it feels like he's sort of bubbling under as a guy who could really make it as a singles act as well, I think. And uh, Kyle Fletcher's obviously, there's all been that big thing about how he's getting bigger now. You know, obviously they pulled him from that, was it, from <laughs> wrestling thing saying he was above 205, which was... Protector of kayfabe, Will Ospreay. Protect kayfabe. <laughs> I was thinking, you mentioned about Kyle Fletcher as well, but the match, uh, the match that stands out to me, the match he had with um, Jay White at Strong Star, at the Strong Star show in Manchester, um, which was like, a, it felt like that was a real star making moment. Mm. And now obviously he was upset about the, like the finish because it, it looked slightly botched. But in fact, I always thought that's something that really worked in his favor. And from that point onwards, sort of, you could really see him as the single star that he will end up inevitably being. He's grown a lot this year, and not just in size, but just in his, you know, wrestling intelligence. I think mm-hmm. working with Davis night in and night out, who's already like a ten-year pro, has helped him tremendously. And he's uh, you could you could never like slap the phrase green on him anymore, which you maybe could at the start of the year. Uh, so, like, I think that has definitely enhanced the act is Fletcher being just as good as Davis now. Um, and they kind of proved that in their, their later matches this year, particularly against uh, Suzuki Gun um, in the York Hall. I thought that was a very mature performance by Fletcher to get everything that they wanted to over in that match and make it such a good story and such a, a crushing moment when they lost. And uh, you've got some notable mentions on top of Team White Wolf, haven't you, Ollie? Well, yeah, I, I, I have Kyle Fletcher in there for the reasons I've just said. I think it has been a tremendous growth year for him, and he's caught up to Davis, who's already tremendous. Um, lucky kid as well, um, another young boy, mm. not young boy, young guy from WXW um, who had just a, a, a star-making 16-carat. I thought it had one of the best matches of the year in Europe and in the world, actually, against Timothy Thatcher. I thought that was a, a tremendous match, but added to that show, which we'll, we'll probably be talking about later in show of the year. Um, and just, yeah, his aura, the, the 
the paint during that weekend when he beat Matt Seidel um, and just came across like a, so much a bigger star than Seidel did. Um, you know, he looked really good in that. And the whole, like, the whole Rise storyline, which was incredible at the start of the year, one of my favorite stories, um, even though it petered out the way it did, it got Lucky Kid over really, really well. So I think it, it's, it's been a really good year for him, both from a character standpoint, a story standpoint, and then delivering big time in certain matches um, and having one of the best matches in Europe all year against Thatcher. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he looks like a star, and I think... It- 2019 might be the year that he really starts to connect over in the UK, starting to come yeah. over a lot more. Fight Club Pro, seen him around at Rev Pro as yeah, he well. Yeah, was over the other week, but was selling merch, but wasn't on the card either. Fight yeah, he was working for Defiant, I think, on the Monday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Strange, he wasn't booked on either show to wrestle. I found. Yeah, it would have been good. It would have been good to have him have him on the. But I think 2019 might be the year that we start seeing him on these shores, sort of start to become much more of a mm-hmm. of a focus star. And he's in with the right people as well. He's also in Schadenfreude now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got a couple of notable mentions. Um, one of whom I'd like to say, I, I started off the year, uh, as, as you all know me, loathing him. Like, mm-hmm. couldn't, I couldn't watch him. I'd quite regularly just go, right, I'm off. I'll see you in 10 minutes. Is that your Fornish prejudice, do you think? Uh, it's possibly coming through yeah. there. Um, but Chuck Mambo, by the end, by the end of the year. And forget the biggest best. crossover. This is the biggest turnaround of 2018. <laughs> JP and Chuck Mambo. If, if for non-listeners to the Indie Corner podcast, uh, our Spotlight podcast, JP is uh, you've gone on many a rant about this poor lads. Uh, I can't believe it. What's changed? Um, the matches, and I think actually started off with Super Strong Style, mm. and the match he had against Zack Saber Junior. Partly because he lived up to his end of the bargain. It'd been very easy, and I initially thought when hearing the reports, and I, th- I think Joe had told me at the time he's had a great match with him, and I've thought, yeah, bollocks, he's in, he's in there with Zach. But actually, um, watching that match, I was like, okay, there's definitely something here. Um, seeing him have sort of lots of good matches, and considering where he was and really sort of developing a, a good in-ring style, that's it's not too flashy, but there, there's enough there. Saw him in Riptide. We won the Riptide Rumble. Um, and also when he turned heel and attack, which is a much more sort of convincing heel turn or certainly a lot more pure heel turn than what's happened in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, for me, I was I'm shocked I'm even saying this. But, yeah, Chuck Mambo is certainly one of the one of my certainly notable mentions. And the other one is um, El Fantasmo who has been really pushed and you can really see how much he's improved in the time he's been over here. And that's hopefully going to go from strength to strength in 2019. Cause he's really now a, a real focal point in, um, in Rev Pro in particular. Yeah. I think El Fantasma is someone who I've seen huge improvement in and he's able to get over on any night in front of any given crowd based on his offense and how unique uh, quite a lot of his offense is and the way he times it. It's great signature arsenal, if anything. I think there's still something missing with El Fantasma. I could see me being set here in 2019 mm-hmm. and saying he's the breakthrough guy, possibly. I think he's almost broke through at that level this year, just not quite yet. I think I think it's going to happen for him next year, though, hopefully. Yeah, I kind of had, I consider them as an honorable mention for me and... Yeah, I, I was trying to think, well, you know, who's broken through that wasn't really doing anything last year? You know, he won the 
he won the British J Cup. Yeah, that's like that's a big thing, and they they tried to make it his crowning moment. I think part of the problem happened that that was in that Manchester wrestling media con mm. where the, the crowd wasn't really into it, it being a con crowd, and it didn't feel like the big moment. It should have felt like if it happened. It his I'd say his win at Uprising did kind of feel like that moment though. Like mm-hmm. it fell flat. Uh, for several reasons um, at the British J Cup, but when even just beating El, uh, El Desperado, just the way the, the crowd reacted to him at Uprising mm. did feel like they finally got there with him. So yeah. I think they did get over the line just barely this year. <laughs> and he's had some great matches towards the end of the year as well. His match with David Starr was a bit of an epic on the last cockpit show as well. Mm. And I think it further helped to get over his story in Rev Pro as well, which they seem to be going with. So yeah, I think 2019 will be a massive year for him um just to note an honorable mention that i've got down as well i've got Ilya dragunov down who i think definitely deserves mention similar reasons to walter to some extent um another guy who had some really notable matches and a really notable kind of uh story trajectory and sort of narrative in 2017 in wxw but didn't really do anything outside of wxw but this year he's come to progress he started taking bookings in the uk a bit more and he's also being booked in the US by PWG. So he's really kind of caught fire internationally this year, if anything. But I think he maybe hasn't done quite enough to, for me, to get that breakthrough star of the, star of the year award because Walter's just done that little bit more. But for me, definitely an honourable mention and definitely someone who's had an amazing year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Ilya will definitely uh, break out next year. Uh, I mean, he's appearing for uh, ICW at Square Go, isn't he? So that'll be his uh, breakout moment next year. <laughs> That's it. When he ends up on the network, that can be uh, when he truly <laughs> breaks out. Ilya drag up Mark Dallas. That's an interesting mix. Oh, God. Perhaps we'll join the kinky party. <laughs> we you know, that surprise me. <laughs> for me, I mean, as far as honourable mentions go, yeah, it's a lot of the names already mentioned. Team White Wolf, definitely, for all the reasons that, that Ollie mentioned. Um, Aussie Open, I mentioned. Uh, I didn't really want to use them this year because they were, my, like I said before, my breakthrough last year. But, yeah, Martin, you made plenty of uh, good arguments for them. Um, just on a, on a local level, you know, in the Northwest, I've seen a couple of rest like Matt Brooks, starting to break out this year. Uh, Callum Corey, someone who I rave about on the Indie Corner Spotlight podcast, and uh, Andrew Ogden, who does the, uh, the Graps and Claps blog on the Indie Corner, will we'll rave about him as well. That's a name people should expect to see in 2019, who's broken out, but in a very small, you know, in the Northwest kind of kind of way. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to need those kind of wrestlers to break out into 2019, and we're going to need to... Those cards are going to need shoring up. The upper levels of cards are going to need shoring up. So yeah, hopefully a couple of names like that um, will be on this list uh, when we do it next year. I was going to ask, actually, is there anyone else that anyone really wants to see or can see breaking out in 2019 just going on? Well, um, yeah, my notable mention was uh, Scotty Davis. I think uh, I think I jumped the gun mm-hmm. with saying he was the uh, breakout last year because this year he seems to have... Uh, Are you ahead of the curve? And, um, yeah, and obviously he's been making his way over here to these shows. You know, he won uh, that Fight Club Pro tournament in the summer, the uh, Stars of the Future tournament, I think it was called, yeah. And so uh, he's been having some cracking matches, either with his former teammates, Curtis Murray and Michael May, or in uh, multi-man matches with likes of Mark Haskins. And apparently he's just had a... Uh, it's literally hit VOD today, so I've not had a chance to watch it as of recording this, but apparently he had an absolutely amazing match with Duran Devlin. So, yeah, certainly... Uh, yeah, Joe, I think big things for Scotty Davis next year. 
Yeah, I look forward to seeing the match with Devlin, most definitely. I think for me, a couple of guys that I really want to see push on next year. I think Dan McGee has had a great year in Rev Pro, um, but he seems to have fallen off some of their main cards recently. I want to see him back on there. Mm. Um, I want to see him carry on with that brawler style that he seemed to adopt. And he had a great series with Josh Bodum, who I also think is someone that I think we all probably desperately want to break out in 2019, because really... He should have broken out fully about four years ago, but it just hasn't happened yet. So let's hope 2019 is the year of Bodum. Just the- keep your mouth shut, Bowden, backstage. Yeah. <laughs> just get on with the uh, wrestling and the great heel work that we all that we all love you for. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Any more uh, honourable mentions before we move on? Dominator Great Okan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right with Okan. I love him. He's he's over with uh, the non-fans, as pro- as scientifically proven by uh, the Rev Pro TV show and everyone I watched it with <laughs> talking about him. It's wow. interesting the turnaround he's actually had from coming out to silence everyone going, who was that, uh, um, during the summer, to actually people are saying what great matches he's having now. So that's not actually a bad shout, Ollie. <laughs> I'll see what you can do. Cracking match with Chris Ridgway on the last cockpit show. This is Andrew from Graps and Claps bringing you what I thought was my match of the year for 2018. Now, as much as I like to talk about the undergrap scene, my closely run race for the match of the year honours took me to Germany, both involving Walter and Ilya Dragunov. Those being firstly the freeway on night to a 16-carat goal between then-champion Bad Bones, challenger Walter, and once Walter said this would would be... A three-way dance, out came the next challenger in the form of Ilya Dragunov. This moment has stuck in my head all year with the reaction that occurred once Ilya surfaced. Literally babies, pints and uh, inhibitions were all thrown up in the air. From the first bell this was a tour de force for 20 minutes ending with Ilya hitting the torpedo Moscow for the three count culminating in wild celebrations and not a dry eye in the house as uh, people made their way into the Oberhausen night. Secondly, I would put a tag match in Hamburg this past August. Also WXW with the Ringkampf team of Timothy Thatcher and Walter taking on David Starr and Ilya Dragunov in what was something to akin to seeing the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Undertaker and Triple H at their peak. Just seeing maybe the four biggest stars in WXW in one amazing tag match that rocked the Mark Teller on that evening was um, a sight to behold. With that said, I would just plump for the freeway as my match of the year. But I think you will uh, probably hear many options for this award as 2018 has been chock-a-block with uh, great matches. As ever, you can follow me on Twitter at Part 3 and you can read the infinite, infamous Graps and Claps on the IndieCorner.com. Generally, every week, reviewing my trips around the UK in search of British wrestling. 
Plus, check out my own end-of-year award show, the 2018 Graps and Claps Award, running down the pub of the year, venue of the year, and the all-important toilet of the year in amongst many awards I will be, I will be handing out. So, until then, bye-bye. Hello, British Indie Wrestling Corner Spotlight Experience. That's what you're calling this, right? Uh, my name is Sue Williams, and I review progress wrestling for PWPonderings.com. And I am here to give you my vote for European Match of the Year. That vote for me will go to Walter versus Will Ospreay from the OTT Anniversary Show on October 13th. Ospreay sells like a boss in this one. Walter is such a fantastic prick throughout. This one's not only my European match of the year, it's probably making my top 10 at the end of the year in general. I've, I have a few honorable mentions as well. One's going to be the Walter versus Timothy Thatcher match from Progress Chapter 62 in January. Uh, another is going to be the Jimmy Havoc Will Ospreay Best of Three Falls match from Progress Chapter 75. I know that match didn't really work for everybody, but it worked for me. And then I have three Jordan Devlin matches. He's a guy, he has just blown up this year. Uh, I have his OTT title match against Walter. I have his Progress Chapter 72 match against Will Ospreay. And then I have his match against Chris Ridgway from Progress Chapter 78. And that's all I got. I'm on Twitter, at Suit Williams, and again, if you want to check out my reviews of progress, you can head over to pwponderings.com. Thanks, guys. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is W.H. Park. I'm the co-host of the Post Perez podcast along with John Pollock. Usually, I cover the Japanese wrestling scene, but I also love to watch wrestling from uh, all across the world, including the UK and Europe. Um, and so it was really nice when the, the brigadier, Martin Bushby, kindly asked me what my Euro match of the year was. And I have to say that the runaway candidate is Walter versus Jordan Devlin from OTT's WrestleRama 2 show from August 18th. And the reason I picked this match was because I love a good David versus Goliath story. And this particular match was a perfect example of that kind of a story in wrestling. Um, Walter has been an absolute beast this year, and Devlin is one of the most well-rounded performers anywhere in the world. So it was a really compelling match from start to finish. Uh, this program also continues to deliver with the uh, David Starr story added in, and I'm hopeful that OTT will be able to continue to book this into 2019. Anyways, I want to wish uh, happy holidays to Martin, Ollie, and Benno, and a happy new year as well, and to their listeners as well. Thank you very much. Hi, Andy Corner listeners. This is Dave Green, and uh, you may know me from the uh, results that I post on the Indie Corner Twitter feed whenever I attend wrestling shows. And uh, this time I've been given some time to provide some audio content for you to give you my thoughts on the European Wrestling Match of the Year. I've decided to go with matches that I saw live, as I feel that gives a much more powerful dynamic to my choices so i've gone for three again this year sorry ben i know you wanted one but uh, i can't choose between these three so i'm going first and foremost with riptide wrestling which i attended in the middle of the year uh, i went to their rumble show which i know jp and rev joe went to as well 
and I hope they'll concur that the match of the night that night was David Starr versus Jack Sexsmith. Tremendous story told in the match where Sacksmith wanted Starr to bring him out of his uh, funk and give him the best match he possibly could, bring the best out in, in him. And uh, Starr starting the match with lots of funny shenanigans and Sexsmith not appreciating it. And it just built and built a really great crescendo. And uh, that match, I think, is still on their Riptide's uh, YouTube page. So if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour, check that out. Also check out the Rumble match itself, which was tremendous fun that night. So for the second match, I'm going to go to night two of Fight Club Pro's uh, Project London shows. And it was the opening match of that night, which was Will Ospreay versus MK McKinnon. This really surprised me how well these two clicked. And for an opening match, it absolutely tore the house down and still sticks out really in the brain and uh, really memorable match. I, I would hardly recommend that one uh, as well. Uh, but the... Match of the year, I think I have to go back, and it's probably a bit of a predictable choice, but I have to go way back to Progress Chapter 62, uh, which overall as a show wasn't the best. It wasn't strong, their strongest uh, outing. But the main event was the Battle of Ringkampf. Volta versus Timothy Thatcher, uh, with Volta defending the Atlas Championship. And I think this was the benchmark that made Progress go, yeah, we need Volta in all our main events. So... This was just an incredible matchup of two friends just beating the shit out of each other. Quite frankly, a uh, really, really stiff strike battle, chops, power moves, everything you could imagine. And uh, one of those matches where where someone kicks out of what you think is never to be the finish and he kicks out and everyone just rises to their feet and loses their shit. The crowd absolutely lost it for this match. And uh, I think it still holds up as uh, the best match of the year, certainly, that I saw live. If I'm going to go for one I didn't see live but seen on tape, I'll go with OTT and Volta versus Devlin, without doubt. But uh, those are my choices. I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Degrino. Thanks for listening, and uh, I'll hand you back to the guys. Thanks. So, uh, I mean, moving on to the next category, uh, Import of the Year, someone who's come over here either on a semi-regular or regular basis and has really improved any show they've been on. I mean, previous years we've seen like some Matt Riddle, Chris Zero have uh, classic matches on UK soil. So, uh, Ollie, let's go with you first. Yeah, for me, it can only be one man, and it's probably my favourite wrestler in the world, Tomohiro Ishii, um, who has single-handedly led for revolution in RPW, uh, picking up the British Heavyweight Championship uh, in New Orleans against Zack Sabre Jr., going off on a whirlwind tour, um, you know, beating Keith Lee, then losing it, um, or starring um, in the Strong Style Evolved weekend, um, losing it to Minoru Suzuki there, uh, but gaining it back in Japan, um, setting up the rematch against Sabre Jr. in the Tokyo Dome, which is incredibly exciting, and that was obviously a, a big step for, for Rev Pro getting that title on the big show and making it feel more significant than any of the Ring of Honor or TNA or NWA title matches ever have in years past at, at Wrestle Kingdom. So I, it's definitely been a significant year for Rishi, beating Keith Lee, beating Walter, and selling out the Orc Hall a couple of times. 
Um, and obviously the David Starr match as well, which was maybe more of a story match, um, but felt much deserved for David Starr after all the, the good heel work he's put in uh, in Rev Pro and certainly a different matchup stylistically for Rishi compared to a Walter or a Keith Lee, uh, but still felt very significant. So I'd say just in terms of how big his matches have felt, obviously he's not been over here nearly as much as um, other people we may want to consider for this. Um, but you know, he's always had the, the big fight feel in the York Hall main events and Rev Pro have treated him as the champion and it didn't just happen overnight. You know, they were booking him as a, a star attraction since 2015. Um, so he does feel very well embedded in Rev Pro as sort of their most regular New Japan guy to come over. And he feels like the guy who should be holding that championship right now, you know, elevating it to the point where it can be on the Tokyo Dome card and feel more significant than some of New Japan's own title matches on there. Um, he also wrestled Juice Robinson and Kushida um, for OTT, which just adds to his uh, resume. Uh, both those matches felt very in-canon New Japan matches. And again, with Ishii, he's never going to take a night off. You know, he's always going and always making these matches feel special. Um, so yeah, he is certainly a champion you can look up to, a champion uh, that feels significant and a, a good guy for Rev Pro to hang their hat on this year. It's kind of like that guy you sort of take for granted, don't you? He's been on all these Rev yeah. Pro cards and he's like, oh, well, Ishii's on it, he's going to have a good match. And he's sort of been taken for granted this year. But yeah, he has had a fantastic matches, um, especially... For Red Pro and then moving into OTT. So, yeah, definitely a, a great shout there, Ollie. And, uh, I mean, me, JP, and Benno have all picked the, the same one, David Starr. I mean, JP, what made you uh, pick David Starr? Oh, I mean, while I, I completely get, like, someone choosing someone like Tomohiro Ishii, I think, for me, what David Starr brings and the amount that he brings to the UK scene in particular and, and Europe is someone who, in terms of the match quality, is always at a level, whether you're going to see him in a relatively small promotion or you're seeing him at WXW or in progress, there's always that kind of almost guarantee of quality that he's going to add to it. Um, I've been looking through it in terms of the matches he's had. He's had 167 matches this year. How many of those have been in the UK? Yeah, like um, <laughs> Exactly. He's worked, he works everywhere and in terms of when when rev pro and you know we've all discussed this at various times when there's been kind of issues around rev pro he's like been this wonderful constant around it that's always been a highlight certainly of cockpit shows but um the way that he's really brought that junior title to prominence in rev pro as well um by the time that you hit the end of the year as well you're finally starting to see him being used better in progress as a single star being put in with with excellent wrestlers i've also thought as well this is the last time he could ever be really considered import of the year because now effectively he is over here all the time <laughs> um and that and that he is like i said before a re- he, he has a really crucial role in the development of wrestlers he is going to be that guy who you're going to want to put those really good young talented wrestlers who need to be in there with people who are that kind of level above to be able to help them grow. And David Starr is able to do that. And, you know, you think of the variety of matches he's had. Um, and I mean, Benno saw him have the hair versus hair match with Jern Simmons. That was completely mm-hmm. wild. You know, he works, he, he has worked 
deathmatch stuff before, but at the same time, you know, he works um, as a heel or a face, having sort of technical matches, brawls, you know, really storyline-driven stuff. Um, yeah, he's great, and and that's why I've chosen him. Yeah, I think yeah, for okay. me, it's got to be his promos. I mean, his constant bombardment. I all about that, yeah. And, yeah. and the injustices he seems to think have befallen him. And obviously, he mentioned all his in-ring stuff there. And then he's uh, he's been an integral part of the one of my favourite storylines of the year in OTT as, uh, as partner to Jordan Devlin, who then turned on him because he was the one who had to beat Walter. I mean, he's he's been a really significant part of a lot of promotions. I mean, some of his stuff in... Uh, in progress hasn't been that great, but even towards the end of the year, he had a, a cracking match with uh, Travis Banks. So, yeah, definitely uh, David Starr uh, has, has brought a lot to uh, pretty much every promotion that he's featured on this year, I think. Yeah, I think he's he's anchoring shows, isn't he? He's kind of, again, a lot of the, I think the subjects on this podcast are always going to range into what's going to happen next year when WWE starts snapping talent up and snaps even more talent up. And David Starr is somebody who, you're already seeing so many promotions turn into uh, as the guy. Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, even progress, you know, being uh, co-opted by NXT UK, he's adding a freshness to their cards you know, that makes them different from that NXT UK product. He's got so much going on everywhere, really. It's like, like JP says, you know, we, we probably won't consider him an import next year. I think we're going to end up treating him like we treat Travis Banks. He's essentially... Mm going to become one of our own um he was only an honorable mention for me last year as well but yeah as you said martin is heel work in rev pro he'd only just turned heel um towards the end of last year he like i said anchors those shows he has a, that killer main events with ishii that i really love that for me said david Starr can be a proper main eventer in rev pro and yeah like you've both said he's just He's integral in, in so many things going on in wrestling. He's integral in, in so many great stories going on in wrestling over in OTT with Devlin, as we've said, and and obviously the ongoing story uh, with WXW slash everywhere with Walter. Um, he's just one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. I love watching him. And yeah, for me, there was just no doubt I was going to go with David Starr. It's weird with him, isn't it? Because he never seems to be in these, you know, you, you always read these rumours about who's going to be signed mm. by NXT UK, and he never really seems to be in that conversation, does he? Which is uh, strange mm. to me. Not that I obviously don't want him to be signed <laughs> now, but it just seems weird that he's never in that conversation. He seems to wear it as a badge of honour, doesn't he, in some ways? Like, uh, you'll see him on Twitter kind of, you know, declaring himself as, and in promos, you know, as we've seen in RevPro, declaring himself as the independent wrestler. I think similar to Chris Brooks, I think he's just going to walk his own path. Yeah, just think there's a hes- doesn't want to sign contracts, doesn't see it as the be all and end all. Mm. That like this is his vocation and his profession, and this is what he does, and he likes working for himself and the freedom that that obviously offers. He's a man with some strong uh, political opinions as well, <laughs> not afraid to share. So I wonder if that maybe holds him back from maybe a sort of pro- sort of a pride level, if anything, as well. It would have been funny to see him backstage if Crown Jewels being brought up <laughs> or something like that. I don't. <laughs> I don't imagine him tolerating that for too long. Yeah, I've gone with Minoru Suzuki. My choice could have really been between Suzuki and Ishii. Um, so sort of a similar choice to Ollie in a way. Um, but I've just gone with Suzuki because I think he brings a little bit more of an aura and a presence uh, to Rev Pro and to OTT this year. Um, Ishii has obviously been coming over here for a little while longer as well, whereas Suzuki came over for the first time in November last year and has been on uh, more or less all of the big Rev Pro shows this year. 
And every time he comes over, I keep thinking to myself, is he going to be less over because we've seen the entrance a few times now? We've gone through the kind of, um, you know, the formula of it all. No, every time people get swept up in it and he brings something completely fresh and completely organic uh, to proceedings and has come over and had some really unique, really different matches. Um, he's had a really interesting variety of matches as well. He performed a tag team with Zack Sabre Jr., who have had great matches with a variety of opponents. They've only had four matches as a tag team. But they feel like they've been working together for years. It just feels, like I said before, so organic, if anything. I mean, he's had two absolutely killer main event matches with Ishii for the Rev Pro title this year as well. One in front of, what, 3,000 in a hockey arena and one in Brixton Rec Centre in front of 700 people. So he's delivering in all sorts of different environments as well. And he gives his absolute all when he comes over it. I thought that he'd be prone to mailing it in when he comes over, but he seems to really enjoy the trips over as well. His Instagram's a lovely insight into his life as well, especially <laughs> on his trips over to London where he <laughs> loves a coffee, loves yeah, loves the arches coffee, as well. Yeah. <laughs> what a hipster. Oh, he has a great old time over here. Um, and I hope he keeps on coming over because I think there's a story to tell and there's somewhere to go with him in Rev Pro. And there's just something else that he brings that I've never seen anyone else bring to a UK promotion before. Like, it's tempting to go for someone like a David Starr or in previous years I would have gone for, as I said earlier, a Riddle or a Chris Hero because they were coming over it all the time. But even though he's had, what, six matches in the UK, two in Ireland... For me, it was almost a no-brainer because of just what he brings in terms of his stature and in terms of his presence and also the history that he brings of him as well. When you look at the influence he's had in terms of uh, shoot-style wrestling as well and work shoot-style and all the Pancray stuff going back years and some of his history likes a Takayama as well and all different promotions. I just think getting the honour of seeing someone like him over here every few months is something that we really do need to savour. Yeah, definitely. And that tag match uh, from the first night of uh, the Rub Pro New Japan shows, uh, it was one of the best live matches I've seen this year. It was him and Zach against uh, Okada and Ishii, weren't it? And just seeing him and Ishii go up for it, hell to leather that first <laughs> night, and then the second night, you know, they were doing the same thing again. It was just absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I was, like, on the edge of my seat for both of those matches. And like you say, Joe, it's just a complete honour to see uh, him and Ishii both going at it uh, for our viewing pleasure. Absolutely. I think that was probably the best tag match I've seen in the UK this year. And I know there was a lot of criticism of that card going into it because people were saying it didn't feel like a real New Japan card. That felt like a real genuine New Japan match. It felt like a massive contest. And I thought it delivered on a different level to any other tag match I've seen in the UK this year. And possibly that was due to the star aura and the yeah. presence that the guys in the ring had during that match. It felt really special when it was going on. Anyone got any uh, notable mentions before I jump into mine? I've got one. I miss Matt Riddle so much. I mean, <laughs> oh. he, he, was, he was my input. I mean, I know JP misses him. Don't get me started, mate. <laughs> he was my, absolutely, you know, if you ask me about last year, I would say Matt Riddle is import of the year. Not a huge amount doing for him this year. I was desperately trying to make a reason. I was looking at his cage match going, what's he done in Europe this year, Filtner by Europe? And, you know, he was... 
he had a decent uh, 16 carats. Um, me, Joe, and JP saw him live at PCW doing their Road to Glory tournament. Oh, that was great. That was fun. Uh, you know, he, he did a few couple of Fight Club pro, pro bookings, which was, was new for him this year. Not a huge amount, though, to write home about. The one thing I would say is that Osprey match in OTT. That all, I mean, that's one that's oh, yeah. definitely yeah. nearer my top 10. That happened this year. It was only, was it March or May earlier in the year? Uh, I think the it was May. Uh, match Dave Meltzer watched from OTT, and he was like, I definitely need to get to the Tivoli, didn't he? That's a scrapper mania it was. Uh, um, yeah, he, he had that this year. I mean, I don't think you can really make a case just on one match, but <laughs> I don't know. I've just got, <laughs> it's just one of them. I've just got such an attachment to Matt Riddle. I'm, I'm finding it hard to, to, to let him go. I think the, the scenes really, really missed him. Um, most of the year really because like i say he hasn't been in too much high profile stuff but yeah luckily there are those other imports we've all mentioned who've uh, who've stepped in there's someone else though who uh disappeared from the indies to join wwe halfway through the year but and he would have been at the top of the list for a lot of people in 2017 but he still has some crashing matches in the uh first half of the year he's a uh, Keith Lee, I mean, he had that brutal mm, rematch against Ishii in Red Pro, a good showing in a super strong style 16. In, uh, then he had some fantastic matches in OTT against like uh, Mike Bailey, and then he teamed up with Shane Strickland to take on Jordan Devlin and Sean Guinness. So, yeah, definitely uh, Keith Lee. I know it was only like sort of like five or six months out of the year, but I, I definitely think he's uh, worth throwing in there just because of the, well, even if you just want to count the Ishii match, I mean, that was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I'd have to throw him in there. And then I've got another one who's kind of a, a bit of a jokey one. He, he only came over to Europe twice this year. But I've got to shout out to uh, Dan Barry. I mean, he's, he's hardly been the most prolific of wrestlers for the past couple of years. But coming into OTT in June against Be Cool, and he was such a massive hit with the crowd. I mean, Tivoli in Dublin usually has a fantastic atmosphere, but that crowd were on another level watching it on on the on-demand, so many different chants, and he was just an instant hit, and I haven't seen anybody get the crowd that sort of like into them in one thing that I just had to throw him in there as a, an honourable mention <laughs> at the end. <laughs> I think there might have been with Dan Barry. I had, I had like no expectations when he was first coming over. Then when you see him in OTT, it's just like, this is incredible how the crowd are just so, <laughs> so behind him. And, you know, it's, yeah, like you say, with the chance and everything else. And even even if he can't dive over the ropes, he'll have another go and they're more than happy <laughs> to see it again. He was so over the first time. The second time he brought his mum with him just to witness it in person. That's a great <laughs> little story. So, yeah, you can tell that he, he, he loved that he was loved. And I bet you his mum did too. Good that we didn't get that Trent Seven match. That would have been amazing. But, wrestling hello benno and friends i am of course alan forel and i'm here cordially invited to tell you about my european wrestling match of the year and it's a tough year to pick a european match of the year because there were a lot of great ones no slim pickings here 
it is it was a great year of wrestling in 2018 across the world but specifically in europe and it was so awesome to be able to go to shows so easily and so frequently and see so many of the best wrestlers in the world it was a treat a great year and for me when it comes to match of the year i will probably have a definitive answer when i watch both of these matches back on tape at least a hundred times because i'd say for the first 99 i'll probably just be going back and forth between them um it might just take a hundred for me to really settle on which of these matches i prefer but having seen them both live only at this juncture, I have to give the award to co-winners Walter versus Jordan Devlin and Walter versus Will Ospreay. Both matches from OTT right here in Dublin. Both matches within 15 minutes of my front door. Ridiculous. And both matches that blew me away in so many ways. Two different matches. One, of course, where Walter wins the OTT title against Jordan. The other where he retains in his first defense against Osprey. The Jordan match was all about emotion and a challenge. And a local hero being put to a test that we all knew in reality he couldn't overcome. But we were living and dying with seeing him try. That was the Jordan match. The Osprey match was all about a clash of styles. A clash between, for my money, the best two wrestlers in the world in 2018. With a prestigious title at stake. And the main event of a huge show in front of a packed rowdy crowd. Both matches delivered what they were trying to do and then some and both left me just shook over what I had just seen. Walter was of course central to both matches and he can uh, have these two high on his resume for the rest of his career. There's not going to be many matches he has that reach the level of these. Not saying there'll never be any but these were I would say both surpassed the Ilya Walter match from Carrot for me from the year before. Now, obviously, that is a special place in my heart as I was there doing commentary for it. So it really was a, a personally uh, emotional match for me. So it will always have something special. But if I remove all bias and stand back from from it, I have to say honestly, the Jordan and Osprey matches were better than that. And I called that the best match ever in Europe. So I guess I'm saying that in 2018 we saw the best and second best match in the history of European wrestling. So there you go. Walter versus Jordan Devlin. Walter versus Will Ospreay. And who knows what we have to look for with these men in uh, 2019. I am excited to see what happens. So um, thank you for letting me do this. Everyone the Brit Wrestling Experience. And, uh, yeah, I'm Alan Forel. You can catch me, Alan Forel, on Twitter. The Pro Rest Paradise at PW Torch VIP. You'll get your money's worth there, I have no doubt. And uh, Fighting Spirit Magazine. Pick us up. The FS750 is hitting bookshelves now. So it will be there for Christmas. Get yourself some Christmas reading. See how Walter, how Jordan, how Osprey, and so many others fared in the FSM50. So check that out. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 
Hi, it's Gareth Hodson, founder of Grapple, the wrestling ratings app which launched last month. You may have heard the Indicorner lads talking about it over the last few months. I think there's been some great matches in 2018 across Europe. Some standouts I've been able to see live have been the Suzuki Ishii matches in RevPro. I saw Zack Sabre Jr. have an excellent match with Matt Riddle at PCW Road to Glory and then a belt with Tyler Bate the following day at Progress. I saw Devlin and Osprey have a cracker at Progress 72 and unfortunately wasn't in the building for the Devlin-Walter great match at OTT WrestleRama 2. The standout for me though has got to be Walter against Thatcher from Progress Chapter 62. I think it's the most genuine looking contest I've seen all year and told an excellent and brutal story. They really set the scene with Thatcher refusing to shake his Rimcam partner's hand which let everybody know how serious it was going to be and then after initially trading grappling then came some of the most vicious strikes I've ever seen with Thatcher blooded and destroyed by Walter's chops, kicks and clubbing fists. In the building, they really made you feel like Thatcher was going to come back and pull off the win before Walter finally finished him off. And at the end, they both looked like they'd absolutely been to war. The handshake eventually came, demonstrating the spirit of competition as the crowd went mad. The match is currently the highest rated progress match on Grapple of 2018. So if you disagree, get on there and get your rating in for something else. We'll be adding other European promotions in 2018. So follow at Grapple app and find out more information and watch this space for more promotions coming your way. Hey everyone, it's Ian Hamilton from BackBodyDrop.com here. Wrapping up the year with some of our picks of match of the year and... It's not exactly been a quiet year in Europe, um, but I think my choice of match for year may get a few people caught by surprise, I guess. Ilya Dragunov against Walter, but from the WXW Superstars of Wrestling show back in May. Now, not your usual Walter match. Um, I think if you go for the whole bout, there's only one chop, and bout is more as an FU to Ilya than anything else. Uh, but this was a match which I went full boat on, went under quite a lot of people's radars. And if you haven't seen it, or if you've forgotten about it like I expect quite a few people to, go back through WXW now and make some time to watch it. A hell of a match, and one in a long, long line of matches that Walt and Ilya have had this year against each other, and of course separately, that have been absolutely fantastic. Um, there's a few of us that went pretty close, um, going back to January, whatever the chapter was called in progress, Walter against Timothy Thatcher, which... I think I was there for and my god that was brutal to say the least. A uh, bit more recently you've got uh, Jordan Devlin losing to Walter at OTT's WrestleRama, another match which was absolutely sublime helped by the partisan crowd in Dublin and you know, we can't end this year without you know, giving a mention to Dragunov's return to WXW. Those three words from Walter, three-way dance, it's 16 karat gold never been part of the reaction like it for someone's return and if you want to go one step further of course Ilya against Bobby Guns overworld tag league weekend maybe not a five-star match but definitely a five-star reaction if you want to catch any reviews of all shows and to be honest way too many more uh, head over to backbodydrop.com or keep an eye out on our social media at big back body drop at big back body drop and yeah I hope you have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and here's to a lot more fantastic wrestling in 2019. Hello, this is Gary from Eurograps. I am the Irish correspondent for Eurograps.com, and you can find all my articles on Eurograps, and you can also listen to me on the Eurograps podcast. 
also on yourgraps.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GaryOnGraps. Um, Benno and the guys have asked me um, to give you my European match of the year and I deliberated quite a lot over this. Um, there was two matches that were really in contention for, for this and an honourable mention to the match that just came very, very close, which was Jordan Devlin v. Walter from OTT WrestleRama 2. Um, a phenomenal match in its own right. But it lost out to what is my European match of the year. And it's a... It is the three-way dance from uh, WXW 16 karat gold 2018 night to uh, Walter v uh, John Badbones Klinger v Ilya Dragunov uh, in front of 1000 people in the Turbinenhalle in Germany uh, one of the best matches I've seen live and from just the atmosphere to the in-ring to the story that was told in this match uh, Ilya Dragunov's redemption story from 16 carat the previous year almost a full year since he won carat finally winning the WXW World Unified Wrestling Championship in a phenomenal match. Um, every man delivered in this match in spades. Um, one of Walter's best matches this year, and that's saying a lot. Um, and definitely Ilya Dragunov's best match this year. Um, just coming back in incredible shape, and no one expected him, and that made it so much more special. Um, you know, People were hugging CMJ after this match for you know, letting us anguish and and suffer through you know Ilya's uh, downfalls th throughout the year and finally getting that that moment and it was so special and definitely something that I'll always live in my memories of how how special that moment was when he finally lifted that title up and when he finally returned and that crowd being so loud and chanting his name just unbelievable and that's the reason why it won my European match of the year um, so guys, I want to wish you guys a, um, a happy holidays and, and a happy 2019 and let's hope that 2019 European wrestling delivers just as much as 2018 did and I hope it does. <laughs>
just the the atmosphere in that match was absolutely electric behind Devlin. Um, and this one was sort of the sequel. This was the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> uh, to the original. Um, but it was still had that incredible atmosphere of people jumping out their seats, banging on the ring, wheeling Osprey on to try and beat this monolith that is Walter. And they presented him as such. Um, you know, obviously a fantastic video package going in where for some reason Walter was like a, a, a far Eastern dictator, but <laughs> it, it worked. Um, and obviously the infamous Osprey talking with uh, his bins outside visible, which uh, <laughs> Joe and JP loved. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so much hype going into this match. The two guys who sort of define mental indie matches in 2018 a, a true dream match. It had happened once before, but this one just was on another level. Walter, you know, stomping on Osprey on the on the like the ring apron. Um, Osprey just doing anything he could to get at the monster, and I mean, he really did try everything athletically. Osprey is just unparalleled in the ring right now, and creatively as well. I mean, he's just a joy to watch and going up against the huge challenge of Walter. Uh, he sold his damn heart out on this one, and the crowd were crestfallen when he lost again. It was a special atmosphere. Obviously, Devlin, I'm not taking away from that match either against Walter. That was a special atmosphere too. But I think just in isolation, if you were in 10 years' time, if you were to watch those two matches, I think you'd maybe prefer the Osprey match, but it really is a toss-up for me between those two. I'd just give the slight edge to Walter versus Osprey. Yeah, it's interesting that because obviously uh, a load of others have picked the uh, Devlin match. Uh, Benno, I mean, obviously you've raved about uh, the Devlin v Walter match. What was it about the about that match that added over the Osprey match? Because obviously, like Holly said, they're both sort of like five star matches, aren't they? Yeah, maybe I'm just stubborn because I said at the time it was my European match of the year, and I've <laughs> stuck with it. God damn it! Uh, no, I, I definitely. I would concede a lot of the points that Ollie has made there, and it is a it's a difficult choice, um, and I don't think you're you're wrong if you go either way. Uh, they both had great video packages. They both had great fan engagement. Um, I don't know. I can see the Osprey matches being technically better, but something about the raw emotion of the Walter mm. Jordan Devlin match puts it over that bit for me. I think maybe. Maybe it's uh, maybe I just like that it wasn't technically perfect. I like that it, a lot of it was Devlin kind of stringing together <laughs> offense when he could, um, and also I, I don't think that you know the the Osprey match doesn't happen without it either. You know you don't get the sequel without the original, or maybe it's not a sequel. It's like the the next within that universe. Um, mm. It's very very close, but I just think the Walter Devlin match just achieved something. Um, whether it's the video package, whether it's that moment that just sticks in my brain of that stunned silence when Devlin, you know, loses at the end. For me, the moments of the year in European wrestling, um, maybe it's that as well, because they're both pretty much five-star matches for me. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up really to go with which one, but I just think, yeah, something about the grittiness of it, something about the fact that it meant so much, not that the Osprey match didn't mean a lot as well, just something that, about that match that connected with me emotionally 
just that bit more than the Osprey match. But again, it's a 1A and a 1B situation, really. They're both, mm-hmm. you know, killer matches, both happening in OTT and both being part of this huge, uh, incredible, overarching story. So, yeah, I think it's it's easy to go either way, but I've just been swayed maybe by that emotion for me in the uh, the Walter Devlin match. It's an interesting point you make there, Benno, because I think would the Osprey match have felt as big without the Devlin match? Mm-hmm. I think there was almost more anticipation based on the Devlin match coming off that. And I think what we've seen in OTT since, I almost think the Devlin match was almost like a point in a story for what has been so enjoyable in OTT since. It's almost like mm. the catalyst for everything that's kind of occurred narrative-wise since then, if anything. It's been like a big jump-in point for a lot of fans, hasn't it? Yeah, With absolutely. That sort of yeah. the the it's like it was like the first uh, the first classic OTT match. Yeah, proper classic with proper a real classic. story, mm. I'd say. You've obviously had stuff like that Osprey Ricochet match that got a lot of hype previously. Yeah. That felt like an exhibition match. Yeah. This didn't feel exhibition like mm. in any way whatsoever. Mm. Well, just listening to, you know, Alan Farrell, who's someone who, you know, sent one of our clips in, who's someone who's followed European wrestling for, for years and years and years and outright saying that they're two of his the two, his two favorite european matches of all time that says something wow um, yeah. you know and again if we're if we're trying to split two the two best european matches of all time then yeah maybe it's a bit of a fool's errand because they're both just they're on that elite level um and yeah i, I think you'd struggle to uh, to really vote for anything that uh, anything else really yeah i mean i went with the same as you ben i went with uh, walter jordan devlin um and like you, it was kind of really based around the emotion. And I also think as well, it was the the video package, which obviously, they, you know, we'd had the, the video package afterwards. And like like what Joe was saying about this being sort of catalyst point, there was like this real, the a lot of the emotion being brought up from the the hometown hero who hasn't been, who hadn't been pinned in 17 months before Walter pinned him in that tag. Mm. And it kind of was that perfect congruence of a great wrestling match with raw emotion with fans who were just ultra invested in it, but, and a real emotional investment in it. There was, it felt like there was real stakes with this. And if you went with Osprey or if you went with, you know, the next match that's going to come up here as well, I, I wouldn't disagree. I could see the reasons why, but I think for me, it had, that was the intangible that it had that kind of seeing that crowd and the hands on the heads by the end of it in stunned silence was, mm. was something really to behold. Sure. It's not your bias for the Irishman over the, uh, Oh yeah. The Englishman. There. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Play that That's also there, but let's just take that as a given. <laughs> I think it was also kind of the real kind of stamp of the Walter as final boss type match we've seen as well. Mm. Like, We'd had a few of these beforehand, but this was really the one that got that real kind of international hype, if anything, and a great move on OTT's part to put it up on their YouTube channel for free, if anything. I think that really benefited that match, and it really benefited probably Walter and Jordan Devlin coming out of this match as well. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously Walter's been having fantastic matches all over Europe, but Benno, OTT, do they book Walter better than anybody outside of um, Germany. I think progress have been trying this year. Um, they put him in the right position, um, but yeah, I think OTT just get who he's supposed to be, and 
uh, the other promotions in some ways are, are following. Um, but I think there's just something undeniable about Walter. It's no coincidence he started the year as Progress Atlas champion and they just quietly dropped that and, and made him world champion because they, they probably obviously saw something that uh, that he should be the top guy, should be the final boss, like Joe said. And it's not the most difficult thing to book in the world, is it? Um, he just fits that role so perfectly. And yeah, if he wasn't going to NXT UK next year, I think you'd see even more promotions putting the belts on him because it felt like at a point this year, he was holding every notable uh, independent wrestling championship. I mean, I was going to leave this towards the end, but I mean, we might as well uh, get into it while we're talking about Walter V. Devlin. And I mean, if there's going to be an award for video production, not only in Europe, but the world of independent wrestling, then it would hands down go to Sean Ryan, the crooked gents, but the whole OTT production team. I mean, shows always look mega slick, but the addition of like Sean with those build-up videos has been a masterstroke, hasn't it? I mean, we've wax lyrically about this uh, Devlin v. Walter video, tons and tons, but I mean, it just adds so much more to the matches than the overall presentation. I mean, just like that, I don't think that match um, and the matches after it would have as much um, about them if it wasn't for these uh, incredible videos that are putting out on YouTube, I don't think. Absolutely, and I think that's part of why we all love these matches so Mm. much. It feels closer to kind of MMA or boxing sort of build-up packages, if anything. Um, I can't remember the last time we really saw anything close to as good as this in wrestling. Like, I think the Walter Devlin package might be my favourite build-up package for a wrestling match ever. Maybe uh, up there with Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 17 with a Limp Bizkit theme. But yeah, they they were on an absolute different level, just from a, for, a sort of conceptual thought standpoint. Like the guy, I bought the Crooked Gentleman, clearly had really thought about both men as almost concepts. And he'd applied some conceptual thinking into actually thinking about how to develop that video package, but also had thought of all sorts of reference points as well. Like when I'm seeing Frank Bruno and Mike Tyson being brought up, it's like, <laughs> this is interesting. This is a good route to go down. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Artistically, it's been the best main event scene in the world this year, bar none. Um, like in the end, nothing is going to top like Tanahashi in the Tokyo dome. Like that is just like wrestling at its peak, but like in terms of consistency and just, this overarching story that they've been telling and especially video packages just adding so much drama to it i mean ott have found the magic formula for indie main events this year from uh devlin zack saber jr to the big tag match where walter pinned devlin um and then obviously to the match walter devlin then the other match (laughs) walter versus osprey um it's been so so dramatic and what a series of matches um they've artistically absolutely crushed it um and going into next year they've got matches lined up still obviously the sword of damocles in wwe sort of hangs over it and you feel like maybe time is running out to tell the story um we'll see what their contracts end up obviously walter's on on sort of the uh the ultimate walter contract where he's just allowed to do anything as long as it isn't work for the band promotions um (laughs) but hopefully they they get the chance to finish this story obviously a a second walter devlin match must be on the cards for early next year and it's it's going to be emotional when it happens yeah that's going to be the must see euro match of next year but i mean talking about um 
amazing video packages. I mean, the yin to the yang for this is a man and Joe's pick. I mean, <laughs> the build-up for that with Tyler Bate. I mean, obviously, we're talking oh. about Tyler Bate v. Walter uh, from Hello Wembley. Um, I mean, the video package for that with uh, Tyler Bate hanging out in his back garden with Glenn Joseph was, uh, was the complete opposite. <laughs> He's a big, strong boy. God, it was awful, wasn't it? That package. <laughs> Terrible interview. His mum hanging around in the kitchen, doing all sorts of cooking. Lovely boys, been brought up in a nice middle class house, hanging out in his really nice looking garden as well. And some terrible non-diegetic music that was applied to the end of the video just to add that extra layer of tension as well. <laughs> I was already to shit all over this match after seeing that package. I wasn't excited for it. Oh, my God, did it deliver. Um, I think, for me, this is my European match of the year based probably on live bias. I think you could, I could have gone with any of these matches. If I look at my sort of match of the year list, they're all sort of one after the other on that list. There's no real no real difference for me, but it was just going mad uh, at Wembley for this match after what had been a pretty lacklustre card as well. And then this came along and delivered on a level I did not expect it to deliver on. I don't know why I ever underestimated Tyler Bate either. I think the Pete Dunn match in NXT last year was probably his breakout moment, well and truly. But this absolutely put a stamp on just how much he's improved since then as well and what a great all-round talent he is at, what, 21 it's quite staggering, really. Like We've spoken about Walter a lot here as well, but Tyler Bate, yeah, he's done most of his stuff in the US this year in NX- or in NXT UK, but he's had a stellar year as well, I think. It has gone from strength to strength. And this Wembley match and the headline in the show of this stature kind of proved for me just how good he actually is and how he can step up to that level when he needs to. It felt like a proper main event of a big show in a way that I don't think progress have ever pulled that off before. And yeah, I was really glad to have actually paid the, whatever it was, £27.50 I paid to go and see this live in the end. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just to reiterate everything you said, I mean, obviously they had the issues with the timing, meaning a lot of folks... Mm. I had to miss this one live. But <laughs> Joe's just I'm... rubbing it in there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I don't have that live bias, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's that is... southern bias as well. <laughs> this is Progress's biggest ever show. I mean, in front of almost 5,000 people. I mean, this was just fantastic. I mean, just that image of uh, Tyler Bate and Walter sizing each other up, uh, bringing back memories of uh, Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania 3. Another sort of like David V. Goliath match that works so well for Walter. But I mean, seeing like just so many moments in this, such as like Tyler Bate getting him up for the Tyler driver was just incredible. Just like a completely epic main event. And I didn't think that show was that great, but the main event was like easily for me the progress match of the year, I think. I think it might be the best progress match ever. I think it was that good. It felt like the biggest match in progress history for me mm. when it actually happened. Um, and I don't know if, if they'd ever really managed to make a match sort of project to an audience in a way that it felt as important as that match ended up feeling. Yeah, yeah I'm a, I'm a, a progress big... curmudgeon now. Um, like, I <laughs> barely care for it anymore. Like, 99% is, like, out of my brain now. Um, but I still gave this one four and a half because it, it absolutely delivered in the moment. And yeah, when Tyler Bate does turn it on, he's absolutely one of the best in the world. He does sort of have Shinsuke Nakamura syndrome where he'll mail it in 363 days of the year. But <laughs> when he does turn it on, uh, he's absolutely fantastic. 
Right, on to our next category, which is show of the year. I mean, what must have been a record-breaking number of shows held over Europe in uh, 2018. I mean, this was never going to be an easy feat uh, to narrow it down just for one, but uh, Ali, you picked a show that uh, sort of like ended uh, Red Pro's year, didn't you? Yeah, Red Pro Uprising for me um, was just an excellent show from top to bottom, which is why I picked it for show of the year, because, yeah, obviously there were many other shows with better matches on it, um and maybe like a, a bigger atmosphere but this one put it all together and in fact it's probably the best atmosphere i've ever heard in the york hall maybe not ever but in the last two or three years i'd say york hall has sometimes been quite dead or like the fans there have been sort of um a, a bit hesitant to make loads of noise Whereas I thought this this show built very nicely. So whether it was a chicken and egg scenario as to whether the fans made the show or the show made the fans go wild, I think they definitely got there for a lot of different reasons. And the reason why I've picked this one is because it's made me so excited for what RevPro have coming up. Uh, they paid off a lot of stories they've been building up to throughout the year. A lot of RevPro's year was up and down. It was hit and miss. Um and there was certain, certainly a lot of criticism for them to take uh, for some of their decisions. But I think this show was where RevPro got it absolutely right in terms of picking up big stories to lead into 2019 and really making some wrestlers their own. Um, huge wins for MK McKinnon over Mike Bailey. El Fantasmo felt like a big star finally um, after he'd been very hit and miss this year. Uh, I think the great Okan is finally starting to to pop off. And I think his act with Gideon Gray is starting to get really good and they could potentially do some big matches with that going forward. Um, Tomohiro Ishii versus David Starr was obviously a huge match for David Starr. Uh, a foot felt very well earned and well within what he'd been doing in RevPro. Um, and it was actually a little bit gutting to see him lose um, because it, like he'd almost become a de facto babyface just because Ishii was... Uh, such a star in the match um, but I, I thought the big moment of this show was Aussie Open losing against Suzuki Gun after you know winning and winning and winning throughout the year for RevPro and I thought this moment of defeat for them was actually a, a much bigger moment than them winning the tag titles in progress um, you know which felt like a nice moment for them whereas this felt like a, a huge moment for them um, they sort of got more over in defeat than they would have in victory um, and we'll likely get a second shot at Suzuki and Sabre next year, and it will feel all the bigger for it because of this loss. Um, so yeah, it put Revro on a really good direction, a, a direction I can get behind, had lots of very good matches, lots of very good moments. Um, yeah, just a complete show for me. Uh, spot on, I think there, Ollie, even some great points about the show. Uh, it was up there for me, actually. It was... Uh... Tough decision not to select Uprising. Mm. And I think you're right about the crowd as well. I think what this show demonstrated was how to lay out various matches on a York Hall card. Because I think there have been York Hall cards in the last couple of years that haven't necessarily connected fully because they've given certain matches too long. They've booked people in the wrong places. They've got the match order wrong. They've maybe got the wrong selection of imports in. And the crowd have been up and down or hesitant, if anything, a little bit confused at times. And I thought this one absolutely nailed how to lay out a card and how long to give certain matches, but also how to mix guys up and put them together as well. Um, 
and it's great to see the York all rocking again. I'm just hoping going into 2019 that we're going to see Rev Pro returning to York Hall on a regular basis, and let's not hope the uh, you know the old beast uh, get an exclusivity deal on York Hall. So hopefully this is the start of many great nights at York Hall to come in 2019 as well. Yeah, that card came out of nowhere for me. I mean, like you said there, uh, Joe and Ollie, I feel, I feel like uh, going into it, people weren't that bothered about it, but then coming out, it was definitely one of the best Joe Cole shows uh, that I've seen in a while, maybe since like High Stakes 2016, maybe, from top to bottom. I think that was the one with uh, maybe High Stakes, the one with uh, Osprey v. Skirl at the midway mark, and then you had AJ on top, I think might, maybe that one. But yeah, one of the better ones, and certainly like the crowd was... Uh, was fantastic for it. But um, JP, Joe and Benno, you've all uh, picked a show you went to live. Yeah. And I think actually Ollie might have been at this one. You were at this one as well. Um, yeah, yeah. 16 Carat. 16 Carat Night 2, um, which was uh, not only a, a brilliant sort of top-to-bottom show, but it also had, um, in terms of the main event and the reaction to the main event, um, scenes that I hadn't seen at a wrestling show ever. <laughs> and people were completely buzzing about that show for, you know, well into the next day, like what, what was, what had happened. And obviously the, the word had spread as soon as the, you know, the return of Ilya became viral. Um, and that match was, you know, one of the closer matches I was, I, I was thinking in terms of match of the year for what it brought, Although I remember at the time, it would have been very, still very interesting to see just what bad bones Walter would have delivered by themselves, but by the by. But it wasn't just the fact that it had that main event, and that could be enough to kind of carry it through in a live bias perspective. But there were just sort of really great matches throughout the card. There was a Lucky Kid, Timothy Thatcher match that was superb, and like a real calling card for Lucky Kid. You had... Um, a Bobby Guns, Mike Bailey match, which was really notable for the really sick finger spots um, <laughs> that was that had happened in that. Um, you had uh, some sort of really wonderful, um, quite short, intense uh, tournament matches with Keith Lee, Chris Brooks, David Starr, Travis Banks, Matt Riddle, um, Absolute Andy, and all of those delivered. Um, it was just a show from top to bottom that had pretty much everything you'd want. Um, it had an atmosphere that was unlike any that I'd experienced in European mm-hmm. wrestling. And it's, it really was the night that I suppose for me that I felt like I got WXW, <laughs> like it, the whole thing all came together on that night. Yeah. It's like the atmosphere of it kind of spread out into the streets, didn't it? It was like <laughs> strangers hugging and kissing and on the streets of Oberhaus. And it was like the culmination of, you know, a, a long-term story, fans being rewarded for, for being so invested in that long-term story. And yeah, I'm the same as you, JP. I kind of, I mean, we got a couple of clips of people who went for the main event, uh, Ilya, uh, Bad Bones and Walter, uh, as their match of the year. And I can't argue with it. It's certainly one of the, the moments of the year for me but yeah i think you really summed it up there it just felt like a a special night on a on a special weekend i mean when i was trying to think of my um, show of the year nothing really jumped out hugely as far as vod goes and i was kind of my mind was drawn to you know the best nights i've had at wrestling the best nights out the best weekenders i've had i mean even things like the PCW Road to Glory weekend, uh, me, oh, you, uh, yeah. and Joe all went on, and the even the yeah. WrestleMania Con weekend, you know, wasn't weren't great shows, but had a hell of a weekend. And WXW is right up there as a weekender as well. And being honest, 
I could throw in a vote for night one or night three as well. Um, the weekend itself as a package is probably going to stick in my mind forever, pretty much. But yeah, I think that main event is what puts night two over as well as a, a great support and act in the, in the undercard as well. Just a, a special, special night for, for anyone who's mm. been there. And I'm sure, I'm sure you'll agree, Joe. Yeah, I think you've summed it up kind of perfectly, to be honest, Benno, and your reasons are very similar to mine. Glad you mentioned that PCW Road to Glory weekend <laughs> as well there, because that was an absolute belter of a weekend. And the shows were really good fun as well, and very different to maybe what we would usually go to as a group as well. Uh, but the WXW weekend kind of had everything. I've been on many a wrestling weekender in various different countries, various places in the UK, and I think this absolutely topped it, and it's going to take something pretty mad to actually be able to top what this weekend was but mm. yeah i think night two was the standout night if anything um some great matches i think the Ilya return moment is my favorite moment of the year maybe one of my favorite moments i've ever seen live and i got to see sean michaels retire live before he came back uh, but that's a different story uh, it was just a different level and being sort of on the ground being like I was like basically on the ring apron for the match as well. And you could just feel like the energy. You could feel mm. feel the crowd rocking. I remember people sort of having having a breakdown. I remember people around me in tears as well. It was just an emotional investment uh, in that card that I never thought I'd see in independent wrestling. And just to sum up what uh, sort of Benno said, I think it's sort of going over the year as a whole and some of the weekends we've been lucky enough to go on. It's one of the reasons that maybe we're also, well, I'm so devastated that the WWE are coming in and doing what they're doing because I don't want this to end. You know, we're on a ride, we're on a journey, and I don't want that journey to end. <laughs> yeah. This day, the Saturday of Carrot Weekend, was no hyperbole one of the best days of my life because <laughs> I got up early for a wrestling breakfast at WrestleCult, um, which was certainly one of the most special shows i've been to ever just how strange it was to be to be there at 10 in the morning uh watching the italian dream wrestling julian pace um it was bizarre and <laughs> having just a, a select few people be there was as very fun and then rushing back to ambition blowing off the main event because carnage was thinking it up um to rush back to ambition and then being on on the ramp for everyone uh like banging on uh, the ramp for the wrestlers coming in, like gladiators initiating <laughs> the guns, Bobby guns chant was incredible wrestling Deutschland. Not really as good, but it still added to the show added to the weekend. And then obviously that show and that moment where with Ilya returning just an incredible payoff um, because it was a very well done sort of semi legit retirement for Ilya. He didn't wrestle for like four months before that. Um, to to sell sell the angle so well, and then obviously the after party, which uh, hmm. obviously I cannot talk about what happens at the after party stays <laughs> at the after party. But yeah, like, yeah. I remember being up at like four and five a.m. being at the kebab shop, um, <laughs> and everyone just, just having a bloody great time and laughing and joking, and yeah, <laughs> it was beautiful. What a day! And yeah, that will stay in the memory banks forever. I'll tell you what you missed there, Ollie, though. You missed the, the shotgun TV tape in that day, that session that <laughs> Martina against Vader Scott. That's my oh, bad memory. Yeah. That <laughs> and, yeah, it also had one of the worst matches of the year. <laughs> Again, nothing, nothing I'll ever forget. 
<laughs> just to add, Wrestling Deutschland had my spot of the year as well with <laughs> Italian Drew and some other fella. And he did a shooting star press that was reversed into a code breaker. Oh, it was great. I've <laughs> not seen that repeated Nick since. Oh, it was so good. Nikola Jokic is a basketball player. <laughs> Someone Jokic. <laughs> I forget. Um, and Josh Bowden wasn't there because he missed his flight or something. He was but, in a night out in Bournemouth. There were pictures on his Twitter of him and these two women in a nightclub in Bournemouth. <laughs> what a yeah. oh, <laughs> Unbelievable. So we started the show wondering why Josh Bowden doesn't get these chances. I think we might have come to the answer. <sighs> he's living the gimmick, mate. Couple yeah. of ladies, you know. He's, he's his, the pro. His seven matches in All Japan Pro Wrestling will go down in legend. <laughs> hey, he's got the hoodie. <laughs> Oh dear, that already probably stinks by now. Surely they only gave him one. Uh, I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm going to take all the air out of the room now because I wasn't at uh, Carrot Weekend. Like you all sound like you're so emotional about it. Um, <laughs> my pick's going to be uh, something from the very start of the year, and maybe didn't even feature a match of the year, but from top to bottom, match to match, was my most enjoyable show of the year. Was OTT's Homecoming from February? I mean. Just, I mean, the card opened, Trent Seven facing off against uh, a last-minute replacement in LGA Cleary. First time I'd seen him, uh, really held his own, not only on the mic, but also in the ring with Trent. You had uh, Haskins against Adam Brooks, whatever happened to him. They had a great sprint in the thing. You also had a back-to-back trio of matches, Zach Sabre Jr. against Travis Banks. Mike Bailey against Keith Lee and then Jordan Devlin in his uh, early days of his OTT title run against Tim Thatcher. And then, and then to stop it all off, show was headlined by a cage match. And I mean, and was it ever a cage? I mean, it was almost like a hell in a cell. <laughs> it was the most hated men in OTT, Charlie Sterling, Shaw Samuel and Zach Gibson. Uh, beat the kings of the north of the ott tag titles and uh this i mean that even that headliner match featured an insane bump as uh charlie sterling suplex damian corvin from the top of this massive cage so uh yeah i mean like i just opened with then i mean ott had gone to have cards that would have some uh, better matches on later in the year but as a whole this was fantastic just first time they were in the arena on sir road in dublin and it was full to busting and the electric crowd uh, really transferred from the tivoli to this uh, arena so yeah definitely uh from top to bottom my uh, favorite um, show of the year i thought really really enjoyed it i don't know if any of you guys i know benno and ollie you had a chance to watch it earlier in the mm. year yeah, obviously yeah, I... that uh, Trent Seven uh, LJ Cleary match to start off is <laughs> something I'm going to remember just in terms of the charisma explosion and definitely a great shot for LJ Cleary um, quite early on in his year and it, it, it led to a lot better things and more than hype developing from there and he's, he's really turning into a star for that promotion. Mm. I think the cage is the biggest memory for me from that yeah. year, <laughs> giant cage. Hopefully, we see that back in February. That very same ridiculous cage. Um, yeah, I, I think it wasn't really one that came on my radar when I was thinking of you know show of the year, but it was a show I enjoyed from top to bottom. Like you say, it had a, a little bit of everything, didn't it? Um, it was hard for me to pick one from VOD. So yeah, you've made a you made a good case for that, Martin. I think I'd again live bias. I'd probably stick with you know the WXW show, but as far as top to bottom ott shows go as much as we've lauded you know the big main events that they've had towards the end of the year the undercards haven't always delivered yeah. for me and that is a card where yeah you, you might not have a, a five-star match of the year candidate but you've pretty much got good matches up and down so yeah could definitely see why you went with it i'm gonna have to get on this one because this isn't a, a card that i have to admit i haven't seen but 
Um, Call yourself I'm... an Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> Passport as well. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I'm planning my escape, lads. <laughs> and enjoy your abyss. Um, but uh, yeah, this is something I've definitely got to get on board with. I mean, seeing the matches, the shows they put on later on in the year, I'm kind of wondering how I've managed to not not come across this one. So yeah, definitely going to get on this one with the VOD. And uh, any notable mentions, uh, Ollie? I know you've got a couple here. Yeah, uh, for me, Strong Style Evolve Night 1 from Milton Keynes. Um, yeah. Definitely an amazing memory for me. I w- wasn't there live for Manchester, and maybe if I had been, this would have been, that would have been there as well. But just, yeah, the atmosphere of being sat next to uh, Mike Kilby and Rob Reed uh, all night long in our private skybox eating pizza uh, hand-delivered to us um was uh <laughs> it was a lovely time and just kind of shooting the shit over like the chaos versus suzuki gun six man um yeah it was just a, a thoroughly enjoyable time and the wrestling was very good and i thought it was a very good uh show for all the, the hand wringing over whether it or not it was an authentic new japan card um i thought it definitely delivered uh osprey versus kanemaru <laughs> was very enjoyable um the pizza was top notch. Papa John's, um, all, yeah, re- all wrestling venue, venues. That weren't it for an ice yeah. arena. They uh, that Milton Keynes venue. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. it. Pro- all wrestling I mean, venues. Milton Keynes is an awful town, but uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> pro- pro- <laughs> it was my first time in Milton Keynes as well. <laughs> it oh. was quite a shock to the system. <laughs> Mate, never go back. Never go back. I probably won't. <laughs> Unless Rev Pro and New Japan return next year. One mention about that show as well is Takahashi's valets. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> <Take> <laughs> face for that was a picture. with with my kids who <laughs> also just gawping away weren't quite used to this. <laughs> yeah, but the two Japanese members of the Bullet Club teaming together, I did enjoy that. Yeah, it was just it was just a fun show, top to bottom, with fun comments made throughout. So yeah, that's certainly my uh, my smarmy pick, uh, just because I enjoyed making jokes about it all night long. But yeah, the the main event absolutely delivered. The wrestling was very good. Pizza. <laughs> Spoons. Great combination. I mean, JP, you've got a, a couple of uh, notable mentions as well. I have. Uh, one for sort of really on the positive of, of shows I've seen this year. Um, and again, it's a live bias playing into this. But the second night of World Tag League, um, again, um, I a wild main event atmosphere with the sort of 15 minute dueling chance, which I understand when people saw it back on the VOD, like how it could kind of think, oh, this is maybe going on for a bit too long. But at the time there was just this kind of overwhelming sort of rush of emotion and involvement that, that kind of really took over the entire venue. Um, and then underneath it, there was, I mean, the block A in Tag League was ridiculous and completely delivered. Um, and that was, uh, so it had this kind of, it had this really good undercar. There wasn't anything that was, that was particularly, that, that was bad. And it was, again, another great atmosphere, but I do understand the live bias. And the other one, and I'm not going to go into much detail on it, um, as I say, a show of the year was ICW's Fear and Loathing 13. <laughs> it was a show, all right. It was a shit show. <laughs> it was actually or, 11. I know watching it felt like you were watching three shows. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Fear and Loathing 11. An hour per show. <laughs> well, I'll share JP's vote, though. 
I like a laugh and a joke as much as the next person, but that's like that's four hours that's not coming back. <laughs> it why, was. Why did you watch it? Because we were talking about it, and you're yeah, like, oh, I'm not going to bother. I kind it. of just feel obliged to. This is the. This is the problem of being a wrestling podcast. I, I don't know. We, I think we all go through this. We're having to watch stuff going, I'm not quite sure I'm watching this. I'm not enjoying it. And then I, I stuck there to the end, but <laughs> then I'm a bit of a masochist. What can I say? I'll join you, JP. Honourable mention, just for Jeff Jarrett turning on Grey, though. What a moment <laughs> in British wrestling history. We'll be talking about it for years, as well as Lionheart in a main event. So, yeah, there you go. Honourable mention for me as well. I'm surprised Jeff Jarrett wasn't Joe's import of the year, actually. I mean, just a <laughs> moment and his appearance at uh, the wrestling movie. We all change our minds and go back and do that one again, because he, he could be import of the year. Whether really an import when you're when you're in every country simultaneously at every time like Jeff Jarrett is or the five Jeff Jarretts are. I think my moment of the year, and this goes outside of Europe, and JP was there for this, was when they cut backstage at all in to Nick Aldis and the camera pan to Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> at that point, you just started screaming and yeah. going, going Zerk. and then you and then you noticed Samuel Shaw was there as well, <laughs> and it was. <laughs> With the red gloves on, yeah. and he was just like, "This is amazing." <laughs> yeah, good old Jeff. Yeah, I was going to say as well, super um, strong, uh, strong style evolved, I should say. Night two as well. Um, that double main event of Akada, Zach, mm-hmm. and Ishi Suzuki. I've sort of mentioned Ishi Suzuki earlier. I was talking about Suzuki, but getting to see Akada, Zach, and getting to see a match that played into a long-term storyline in New Japan as well, like Akada, Zach, felt mm-hmm. pretty special. That was a great moment, I thought. Trap, trap, money, penny. This shit got me in my feelings. Gotta be real with it. Hello, 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 hello. Brayden Harrington here with Davey Portman. Whoa, where are we right now? What Wait, is this? It, this feels familiar yet distant to me. Am hmm. I am I back home? I don't know. Where are we? I feel like we're somewhere in in the British Isles. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about the British Isles. Okay, yeah. we're we're home. Oh, I'm home. You're home. I'm home. Right. Uh, yeah, we're it's uh your boys from up next. Uh. Every Thursday, postwrestling.com. We review NXT. And uh, Martin hit me up and asked if we could share our thoughts on who our European oh. Wrestler of the Year is. Um, and obviously we've got NXT UK going on now. We've got a lot of Brits and, and Irish. All the Brits have in, invaded in WWE right yeah. now. So... Uh, Definitely seeing a lot more European talent than ever before. Yeah. Um, who would who would you say your your wrestler of the year? Is? Uh, well, wait. So we have to pick a European, like a UK guy, or like it can anywhere in Europe. So UK, Ireland, uh, because Germany, I, Austria, we, France. We, we do the NXT show, and mm. uh, we we also review all the the takeovers as yeah. well. But um, I, I I can't just say one, but I, I'll pick a tag team. Okay. I'll pick the less obvious of uh, of something i'll pick mustache mountain oh, yeah. tyler Bate and trent seven because they did a series of tag matches with undisputed era that are phenomenal including the uh five star tag team match on nxt tv a five star match on tv taped months ago and it's where the the towel is thrown in from uh is it 
from uh, Tyler throws, throws it in yeah, um, for Trent. For Trent, and it's just a moment in wrestling. So uh, I'll say those two guys simply because they kill it on the indies still, but even in WWE products, they were great. The Brits. Yeah, they are fantastic, and I'm pretty sure that match is going to do very well in uh, our TV match of the year. Definitely, yeah, as well. Um, that's you make a very strong case for that. I I would say I'm looking outside of WWE or right. or for most of this year outside of WWE, it's got to be Volta. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the big Austrian. He definitely made a name for himself. I think WrestleMania weekend he was like the talk of the town. Right. Um, his match with PCO. We watched um, his match against Timothy Thatcher at Progress. Um, Great. His match with Devlin at OTT. Yeah, that was the one that I, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, that one was a war. That uh, guy's a monster. He's so big. He chops the shit out of people. No wonder he got signed. He's got such a presence about him. He's got. Uh, he's a big guy that can go. Big and lad. He's terrifying. Um, his match with Bate as well at the Wembley show. Uh, I think he's had a lot of very good matches this year. Pretty much everything outside of WWE and New Japan. Whenever a friend of mine who's a wrestling fan has gone, hey, did you see this match that happened? Nine times out of ten, it's been Volta this right. year. So he would be my pick. Yeah, he definitely had a great year. And now that he's signed, he'll probably have a great 2019 yeah. as well. I'm sure he'll be the talk of the uh, UK takeovers. The Absolutely. The UK stuff. So, yeah. So they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. The so, UK wrestling is crazy. It is. It's, it's at a peak right now. Um so uh thank you boys for for having us on it was thank it was you. nice to briefly be back home thanks for the tea and crumpets oh oh yeah stereotypes there <laughs> we go uh thanks lads merry christmas happy new year bye ahoy hey this is striga from cagematch.net i didn't really watch as much British wrestling, as others on this show probably did, so I want to focus more on WXW in Germany, and while well, you could always name guys like Walter or Ilya Dragunov as favorite or outstanding wrestlers, I want to focus on a different wrestler from WXW, and his name is Bobby Guns. Bobby Guns was able to, to capture the imagination of a lot of fans throughout 2017 and even more in 2018. He was shotgun champion for the first half of 2018 and his ascension to the top really continued this year and he won shotcut, then had this great match at the World Tag League for the interim WXW World Championship where the fans chanted for more than 10 minutes and it didn't really stop and it was just amazing to see how the fans really took to Bobby Guns and I really hope that Bobby Guns gets more exposure throughout the year 2019 and then I really hope that you and uh, specifically the British fans get to see him uh, much much more in uh, 2019. So with this in mind, Rauchen is tödlich, aber Bobby Guns is killer. Hi, my name is Akil Khaled, and my European Wrestler of the Year is Volta. I think there have been wrestlers this year who have had maybe slightly less frustrating years than Volta, be it Zack Sabre Jr., Jordan Devlin, or Will Ospreay, but I think when you look at 2018 as a whole, 
it's difficult to look past a lot of the exceptional, exceptional work Volta has done, be that in Progress, in RevPro, in OTT, in WXW. He's just put on some of the most incredible matches I've seen all year. Like I said, he's been a little bit um, frustrating this year because I think he tends to fall into a bit of a formula, be that relying heavily on chops, um, building entire matches around the other wrestler working over his hand to to get rid of those chops. But when you look at his output as a whole, it's really, really difficult to ignore. So yeah. I think Volta is the European wrestler of the year. You can follow me on Twitter for more of these incredible takes at Akil Khalid, A-Q-E-E-L-K-H-A-L-I-D. Um, if you want to hear more of my dulcet tones, you can listen to me over at rearviewreviews.com where myself and Arnold Furious are currently doing our own end-of-year awards. Or you can listen to me over at the B Plus Network, where I am doing a monthly look into Britress. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Hello, I'm Deo, and from the Developmental Podcast, and also a contributor for the IndieCorner.com. The sheer quality of matches we've seen in 2018 throughout the European wrestling scene has made it a very difficult decision as to who has been the best wrestler this year. When it came down to it, I was torn between Jordan Devlin and Volta for their outstanding performances in their home promotions, OTT and WXW respectively, and also companies such as Progress, Fight Club Pro and even Defiant Wrestling. So my pick for the best wrestler in Europe in 2018 is none other than the ring general, Volta. His matches against the likes of Timothy Thatcher, Will Ospreay, Zack Sabre Jr and runner-up Jordan Devlin have all been star-making performances in my eyes, and there's no one else that produces the same level of consistent show-stealing performances than Volta. You can follow me on Twitter at DayOwen, that's D-I-O-W-E-N, and our NXT UK podcast at Develop Podcast. I hope you're all enjoying the festive season so far, and I wish you all a very happy new year. Thanks. This is Will Corner of Five Magazine. I'm here with my pick for the best wrestler in Britain and Europe this year. And uh, obviously there's been tremendous talent, and people like Walter and Devlin have been cracking matches. But if I think if you look at the whole, you look at what it means to be a great wrestler in the round, and if you see somebody that's really helping to drive business, particularly in Britain, my wrestler of the year would be Chris Brooks. And several reasons. First of all, as a character, he's done some great character work this year. The Shona Freud storyline in Fight Club Pro has been has just organically built over the past few months since he lost his title Saturday in March and since he started doing the storyline of him first stealing the title and then recruiting allies and turning it into this great at crusade against the promotion against martin zaki and the british strong style guys and he tapped into something that had been very easy to become kind of a a cool heel um gimmick you know going against the wwe uk aligned promotion going against their foreign champion and he was able to pitch it so well that he managed to get nuclear heat genuine heel heat um, which is difficult to do in British wrestling, let alone when you're somebody who is as, as popular amongst hardcore fans as Chris Brooks. Um, well, also, the whole Shining Foot thing just talks about him as a marketeer, somebody who has a real eye for branding. Um, you've seen that with the work he's doing with Attack and for I, IPW's uh, Choosing Night Graps, where he's acting as a promoter, putting on 
really interesting, imitative comedy, wrestling, the uh, IPD, you know, the stuff for Tuesday Night Grabs gets quite surreal at times. And it's it's getting an audience and it's it's helping to keep the scene going. There's obviously stakes to sizzle. He's a great wrestler. We all know he's a great tag team wrestler. Um, there's an argument that he is a single person should be in the running for Tag Team Wrestler of the Year, given how many tag teams he's had. Obviously, his main team is with Lycos. Unfortunately, Lycos has a lot of injuries this year. But when Lycos has been fit, they've had some banging tag team matches. Um, particularly, actually, um, uh, one that comes to mind is, is the ladder, crazy ladder match in Fight Club Pro they had. And actually, when they when they won the Progress Tag Team titles in America, I think, they were looking pretty good then, too. Um, since Lycos got injured in the summer, he's in a lot of t- teaming with Jonathan Gresham, the original CCK. Amazing tag team, chemistry in spades. Stole the show at the WXW World Tag League with three cracking matches. Very different matches against Akami, Ring Camp and Lucha Brothers had a brilliant match at your call against Aussie Open, just a really, really special tag team. Um, and, you know, absolutely superb. Even a thrown together tag team with um, Timothy Thatcher, he made it work. Um, and very different, you know, this is one where Brooks could have kind of be the weasel behind the, hen- the, 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 brut- the brutish henchman, but again, he made it work. And, and they've had some really entertaining matches. Sometimes he's criticised for singles work, but I think he's had a strong year as a singles wrestler as well. He's always been something of an intergender specialist, you know, really fun brawl with a, with a cracking dusty finish against uh, Millie McKenzie uh, back in February. Had some good matches against Satamora. But I think he's he's picked on in Rev Pro um, in terms of his singles matches. And I thought I was particularly struck with his match against Taichi, which you know wasn't a fantastic match in terms of work great but Taichi is a somewhat big star he's pushed as big star in uh, New Japan and Brooks managed to actually hold his own he managed to show charisma poise which suggested that the confidence he naturally shows in tag team matches was coming through to his singles work and I thought he more than held his own got got as much out of Naito as you're going to get on a Naito overseas trip the month before and I and I think there's real potential. There's increasing potential uh, with Brooks as a single star. So because of you no know, great storyline, great heel work, great work in terms of his promotion, great work as a wrestler, primarily as tag with some strong stuff as a singles. I'd go with Chris Brooks as the best wrestler in Britain and Europe this year. And also it has to be noted that you know in the era when even likes of Jimmy Havoc are spending increasing time in America. Brooks is somebody based in Britain and Europe. He is somebody kind of investing in the scene and doing cool, thing, cool things here. And uh, long may it continue. In terms of things I'm looking forward to in 2019, watching more live wrestling. You know, if anyone's listened to this and doesn't watch live wrestling, you know, you're, you're missing out. You know, Watching wrestling live is much more fun than just sitting there watching a shite that WWE puts out. One of the good things for me as somebody based in the Midlands is after a slight dip in number of shows locally because of the implosion of Lucha Forever and uh, the kind of shrinking down of what is now Defiant, which meant that Birmingham wasn't being run by either promotion. We, you know, we've got the new Fight Forever, which seems to make a commitment to run um, on a pretty regular basis. Kamikaze Pro Wrestling is increasing its, its number of shows by going monthly in Coventry. 
And of course, we have Fight Club Pro and Shropshire Wrestling Alliance is coming back after a hiatus. And over the over back in my homeland of the East Midlands, you got Wrestling Resurgence and a new WrestleGate promotion doing high-level indies um, in Leicester and Nottingham. So the future for Midlands looks bright. Um, so I've been recording. You can you can catch me every month from Fighters Fit Magazine, and I also do a podcast called First Club of Fight Club Pro. And I do Midlands Wrestling Reviews for the Express and Star. But uh, moving moving away now and um, on, to, on to promotion of the year. And um, there's obviously, you can't throw a stone now without it in um, a British or European promotion. Um, so lots to get into there. And uh, Ollie, I mean, uh, let's go with your pick first. Mm-hmm. Well, I've gone with OTT, and we've kind of already waxed lyrical about why. Um, obviously, their their main event scene this year has been the best in the world, not just in Europe. Um, they've absolutely figured out the formula for how to do main events in independent wrestling just amazingly well, and they've told a great story throughout with all the major players in European wrestling. It's, I mean, they've <laughs> they've really mastered how to present those matches and the wrestlers themselves have knocked out the park in the ring. Um, but beyond that, you know, they've done such a good job of bringing through young Irish talent, which was always the bugbear for OTT was when are they going to bring through their own guys, their own Irish talent, because they had to rely very heavily on imports, especially last year. It felt like they were maybe growing a bit too fast for their own good. And, you know, they were having to bring in lots of names from Britain and from further afield to prop up the cards that they were trying to sell out bigger shows for. Um, and it made for some weaker shows, and we were kind of critical about them more at the end of last year. But at the beginning of this year, you know, they put the new title on Devlin, the OTT Championship. It was a big moment, big symbolic moment for where they were going this year. And they've done so, so well on the undercard, you know, more than hype have come through and stolen several shows. Um, they've got a great crop of young women, obviously led by Katie Harvey, but then the sort of rookies, um, of, you know, Raven Creed, Debbie Keitel, Valkyrie, um, you know, they've been stand out on their shows as well. And they've been able to do those all women shows and have them feel completely natural and just as good as the regular shows. Um, and, yeah, it's just been a burst of young talents. Uh, you know, mm. Michael May, Curtis Murray, um, obviously the three guys in more than hype. It's that whatever your wrestling tastes of, there's been someone there to cater to them, and that just wasn't the case a year ago. They've done such a good job of giving these guys personalities, um, mm. and then putting them in really relevant matches and really good matches at that as well. And they've got several stars there. You know, LJ. Cleary and Raven Creed's charisma are already off the charts. So that is why, really, I'm going to call them the promotion of the year. Obviously, the main event stuff is the most important stuff, and they've nailed it. But also on the undercard, they've fleshed out so, so well and made it feel unique and Irish. Yeah, they kind of managed to, because they're my pick as well, and they've managed to flesh out their undercard and make it stronger without losing what OTT is. Yeah. You know, you still get the the likes of the Angel Cruises and you get the the comedy that OTT is known for, like genuinely funny comedy as well. It's nothing worse than bad comedy in wrestling. Mm. But they've, they've managed to balance keeping those kinds of guys on shows 
and like Ollie said, yeah, like you just said, the keeping the getting the more than hype guys going, um, improving, uh, like I say, the the use of Irish talent as well. The use of imports over the year, I think, has been better this year than it was mm-hmm. last year. Using the people that they've they've brought in to elevate their own talent, and yeah, they've and- just. I think the venue issues aside, which is going to be an issue going into 2019, that makes me worry a little bit about OTT. They've, as a business, probably been the the, the strongest this year. I mean, last year, you know, my choice would have been Fight Club Pro, and that was because I felt like their business improved last year. And I think there's a real big argument for OTT in the fact that they're doing these big shows, that they're you know, that they've even got venue issues that they need, you know, venues that will handle the amount of foot traffic that they get to their shows, that those big shows feel so important that people will travel as well. They've just done such a, an incredible job with developing uh, who they are without losing their identity. And really, it's the it's the promotion where, you know, outside of the business stuff, where the best stories in wrestling are happening mm. to. Artistically, um, it's, it's the best this year. And mm. with some strong competition in WXW. Definitely. Yeah, they were my pick as well. I mean, just to reiterate what you guys said, I mean, they had some dodgy cards in 2017. I think they were kind of trying to find the right balance between imports and homegrown guys. I mean, they had that, you know, elite just taking out the show, (laughs) didn't they, at the end of the year. But this year, they seem to have had none of them problems. I mean, they they had the best storyline in European wrestling, you know, obviously Devlin and Walter, you know, uh, a few that seen too much of the year contenders come out of it. Tons of homegrown talent, Scotty Davis, LJ Cleary, just to name two. And uh, and then, thanks to their relationship with Red Pro, they've been able to bring in people like Suzuki and Ishii, which has added a further dynamic to to it. But the main thing is, they don't seem to be slowing down outside. I mean, if they get this venue issue sorted, I mean, um, and all depending on what happens behind the scenes with this NXT UK stuff. I mean, OTT have set the standard for me, not only in Europe, but the world as far as what you can do with an independent wrestling promotion. And mm. long may it continue in 2019. They've kind of done it by staying independent. So you just touched on two of the big things, haven't you, that, that they've got that. WWE relationship and they've managed to keep the the New Japan relationship and Red Pro relationship. <laughs> I think and they've been truly independent and I hope that continues in 2019. Um, they're in a very unique position because this is pretty much the peak of Irish wrestling, OTT. So WWE don't seem to be treating them like they treated Rev Pro um, and mowing over them because of the New Japan relationship. Um, but I just hope it stays that way. Uh, an independent OTT that continues to be able to take the best of both worlds, like you've just said there, Martin, I think is is going to be important for 2019, and I hope it carries on that way and the, they do continue to go from strength to strength. Well, it seems that way since they've just announced uh, Pack v. Walter, which is obviously the dream that everyone wanted, wasn't it, for uh, one of the first shows in 2019? So it seems they're uh, you know starting the year strong, so that's uh, mm. always a good sign. Yeah, they can manage to sort of draw or potentially the, the venue that they've moved to, which is just away from Dublin City Centre in Tallow, which is sort of south Dublin. Um, the fact that they've um, that they're running there and they could possibly do about two, two and a half thousand for a show like that. Imagine sort of, you know, your first big show of the year and they're managing to, to get numbers like that. It hopefully bodes well. But um, as you guys have kind of intimated on, there's the, the venue long-term the long-term venue issue is really the thing that they they kind of need to get resolved and get into the pattern of of where those big shows are going to be and if they can have some in the basketball arena and they can have some in the national stadium then there's potential for just sort of some really big matches they could go through 
obviously me trying to forget all about the WWE relationship and how what they can do to potentially ruin it. But there you go. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, jumping on a Ryanair fight and heading over to uh, Germany <laughs> and, and your pick, JP. Yeah, I was really tempted to go with OTT, and you guys have laid out sort of a really strong case for that being for, for that being there for sort of artistic and business reasons. I went with WXW, and again, you know, I was lucky enough to go to sort of two of the big weekends as they have in Tag League and Sixteen Carat. Um, it felt like they were setting the standard for what everyone else has been trying to deliver from a. Um, almost like an aesthetic perspective, the sort of overall quality, the production quality, the way that it felt didn't feel like an independent company. It felt like sort of a big sort of effectively mainstream company and how they, they had set up um, from a technical point of view. It's, it's outstanding what they managed to achieve Um, from an artistic point of view. They've had some really big stories. They've managed to elevate stars throughout the year they've uh successfully sort of ran shows in the uk um they've you know in terms of having walter as really always being thought of as a wxw guy and having him almost represent the company when he's been to all of these different promotions around the world i think that there's been a kind of value added onto that and then obviously they're going to be running mania weekend next year which is going to be fascinating to see what they do from a business perspective but whenever i've watched in particular, the sort of WXW big events, I've always enjoyed them. Whenever I've watched Shotgun, which, you know, may it rest in peace. Um, whenever I watched Shotgun, I was always entertained and I enjoyed the presentation. And particularly Andy, who was absolute Andy, who came across as, as such a sort of bastard dad, as he would always be thought of. Um, it, was, it, it was something that I just always found myself enjoying I'd, I'd look forward to watching their big shows and they never, it never felt difficult to watch at any point. And lots of other companies that we, we haven't mentioned have had sort of various creative issues, but I, I would go with you guys in the sense that I think OTT and WXW are the two strongest companies, certainly from an artistic perspective in, in Europe at the moment. It's funny that we're all British and uh, there's only Joe's picked a uh, British promotion. <laughs> yeah, and for me, good old Rev Joe. <laughs> yeah. Living up to, Living up to that. Yeah. Hashtag ask Rev Joe. <laughs> and I'll be honest, this is a completely biased choice born out of selfishness because um, <laughs> I think I've missed three cockpit shows this year and those cockpit shows are my absolute favourite shows to go to on a monthly basis. And it swayed my decision, really. I can't disagree with anything that you guys have said. And I'll be honest, I actually think OTC and WXW have had better years than RevPro. But I'm basing this purely on a, a selfish enjoyment of the product and also the fact that they're kind of my local promotion to an extent as well. Um, it's been a weird year for RevPro in many ways. You've looked at them sort of trying to expand with the New Japan relationship and the uh, super, uh, Strong Style Evolve shows and the TV deal and 3 Sport and all the rest of it. And then the WWE impacting kind of on their business and the talent they can book as well. So it's almost been a, a year where it's sort of been all over the place. The way. It's almost been quite unpredictable. Uh, but at the same time, these cockpit shows every single month deliver. Um, 
200 people in a tiny little theatre in Marlebone, central London. You're in a claustrophobic, intimate environment, and I've never been in such a wonderful claustrophobic environment. You know, claustrophobia is a horrible thing. Not here, it's not. This is great every month. You see great wrestlers every month in front of 200 people. Getting to see Zack Sabre Jr., who's going to wrestle in what? In front of 40,000 people in the Tokyo Dome in a couple of weeks, in front of 200 people is an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, we're in quite a privileged position, I think. Paying 15 quid each month is absolute value for money, and long may this continue. I've got my season ticket in for next year, and I hope it carries on like this, because the talent they book there as well, I think you've got to be at a certain level. You've got to be... Um, you've got to really earn your stripes to get booked in Rev Pro, I think, as well. And I think Andy Quilden's vision of wrestling, what he sees wrestling as, is as close as any booker to what I see my vision of wrestling as in many ways as well. So that's kind of swayed my choice. But I don't think they're the best promotion this year, but they're my favourite promotion. I'd say they were a close second for me, definitely. Because, I mean, obviously I have to catch these uh, cockpit shows on demand, but it's like say, Joe, they always really deliver it. The only thing I have an issue with Red Pro is this year especially, especially with the TV show and the Your Call shows and the cockpit shows, seem to have all these different timelines going on and, yeah. and it, it'd be mm. great in 2019 if they could like you know bring it all together because obviously they they do try introducing cockpit storylines onto your call but it, they never quite get the success with it do they I think they translated slightly better on the last Uprising show uh, from York Hall. Um, I don't know if that was because of who some of the guys were booked against or the way that they'd put, say, David Starr's promos on YouTube, on their Facebook, on their Twitter and stuff. But it seemed to connect a little bit more. But there has been times where it's just not connected at all and it's really fell flat. The Dan McGee-Josh Bowden feud is one of my feuds of the year. Um, I've raved about that feud all year and the matches have been really great, if you ask me. I think I've seen every one of them live. And the match at York Hall was the weakest of their matches. It just didn't really connect, I didn't think, on the night, which is a real shame considering what they were doing. It's almost like Rev Pro have tiers of shows and there are storylines that unfold in the different towns, if anything. So you've got the super york hall shows then you've almost got like the super super uh strong style evolve shows now you've got uh the cockpit shows which seem to have storylines that unfold on those the southampton shows almost seem like weird house shows that don't draw very well and in a really strange venue and then you've got the portsmouth shows where you've got the mount batten center for the trainees um and you've got the guild hall for the kind of half term shows where you get the xwwe guy in but you also get some really great indie talent on who always seem to get over with the kind of very local crowd let's say um so it's a strange sort of mix it'd be nice if those shows could kind of connect that little bit more um and i get the criticism that they aren't connecting all together and it does make things a little bit awkward to follow at times and make the storylines a little bit inconsistent so hopefully that's a problem that can be sorted going into next year well it's good about them they don't seem to hot shot things though they kind of you know they keep running those southampton shows try and build up that town don't they and they, they can see it as a long-term plan rather than going oh well that failed let's not do it ever again you know what i mean they can mm. see it as a long-term goal for them yeah, and I saw that they were running there in February again because I think there was a little bit of doubt after the last one especially because I think the last one drew like 80 people and I went to one earlier in the year where they got just over 100 and it's not 
the best venue i'll say that um i've said before on the spotlight um show my under 15s uh division free winning football presentation was at the same venue that's the standard of venue they're running in southampton you know <laughs> they're running a venue where i received an award along with my the rest of my teammates as a youngster you know it's it's a, it's a little bit cheap, I'll say that. And I think that there's a better venue to find in Southampton. And I think there's a better way to promote those Southampton shows because it is a town that doesn't have any wrestling really other than that. And uh, when they ran the Southampton Guildhall a few years ago where they did that unseen Osprey ricochet match, which I was lucky enough to see live, they had a full house. I think they had about 800 in there. It was a absolutely like massive venue sold out on the night as well. So it shows that there is potential to, to mm-hmm. draw a crowd in Southampton, but I just don't know what the disconnect is really with it at the moment. I was going to say they're going to have an interesting 2019 because they're running some new territories as well. I mean, Bristol is interesting in terms of what they're going to be able mm. to, to deliver there. They're running Northampton Guildford um, as well. and Guildford. So, you know, in terms of going up, you know, Guildford's on that commuter belt. It's, it's, it's interesting to see what they're going to draw. Are they going to try and advertise more locally? Because in some ways, I know this is a much bigger conversation. It's almost about, do they consolidate next year or, do they still decide that they're still going to try and branch out? Because obviously the way that 2019 is going to go, God knows at this point. It's such a shame that that, um, obviously you can understand why they did it, uh, doing those uh, two shows as part of the wrestling media cons. I feel if they were in Manchester city center, you sort of like a, a red pro show mm. with that lineup. Mm. I think they would have done a lot better certainly, but you can see why they did it as part of that, you know, to cut down on costs and what have you. But yeah, yeah. I feel like if they had have run the show in Manchester, just red pro with that lineup mm. that they had, I think it would have done a lot better for them. But I, guess I think that's... there's money to be made in Manchester for rev pro as well. I think if progress, uh, they're outright saying that they're probably not going to be coming until probably June time. There's six months there for someone, like a road pro to step in. Um, so maybe that's that'd be a better idea for expansion than these smaller new venues that they continue. I know it's closer to home, so it's easier to do. Um, but I would like them to like to see them step up their Manchester expansion. I mean, I didn't really consider them for my promotion of the year just because I think they've had a difficult year with losing the WWE contracted guys, having to therefore rely a bit more heavily on the New Japan talent, which is for me, created some problems with the booking. Um, I had high hopes for the TV show and I didn't love the last few episodes, if I'm honest. Um, and attendances have been slightly down as well for Rev Pro, but there's plenty of positives there. You know, they've had some of the best cards all year. The York Hall cards pretty much all year have all been hits. Every cockpit show I've seen has been good and there's room for expansion next year. But yeah, it's certainly not been a, a straightforward year for Rev Pro. And I think uh, the big thing, 2019, uh, the pieces are in place. It's just. Yeah, what they prioritise, and uh, you know whether they do address some of the minor niggling problems that are maybe just uh, affecting them from being my promotion of the year. But yeah, still some they still done some killer stuff in, in 2018. So yeah, don't want to sound uh, too ungrateful. Let's all get behind them as the anti WWE promotion. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Root for Katani, <laughs> root for Andy Q. <laughs> yes, you're just saying that because that's sweet Andy Q money there, Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think my bank balance, mate. <laughs> on the tape Joe <laughs> I pay for the audio equipment for tonight so that's why it sounds so good 
So am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason, can't find hope to believe in. Hey everybody, it's John Pollock and Wei Ting from Post Wrestling, and we are here to weigh in on our British Wrestler of the Year. I think it's open to European Wrestler of the Year, not just British. Okay, let's expand the entire continent. I have now changed my pick. I am going with Walter this year. Yeah. I thought that there were a number of different candidates. I would choose Will Ospreay. But I feel that his impact was more so outside of the European scene this year, whereas Walter, I thought, was a pivotal part as Progress Champion, as OTT Champion. And bar none, my favorite European match of the year was from WrestleRama this past August with Jordan Devlin and Walter. Start to finish, excellent. They had one of my favorite video features I think I've ever seen that preceded a match uh, with Sean Ryan editing this thing. Fantastic match. Walter is my pick. Well, my pick goes to, um, I would say, somebody who I consider my favorite European wrestler of the year, and that would be Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, this is a year where I started watching a lot more New Japan than usual, and I believe Zack probably wrestles there more than any other promotion. He, to me, is somebody who continues to champion a style that is very unique to Europe and unique to himself, and he does it in such an entertaining way that I've not seen anybody able to do uh, in professional wrestling since Daniel Bryan. So, uh, Zack Saber Jr. is my pick. There you have it, Walter and Zack Saber Jr. Hello, it's Sarah and Sarah from the Sarah and Sarah podcast, wrestling around the world, and here we are making our pick for wrestler of the year in Europe. Sarah, do you want to go first, or will I go first? Sure. We're just here in Belfast after OTT Belfast. Uh, great show tonight, but my favorite was not on the show tonight. Oh. Surprisingly enough. Uh, as much as I love Ilya Dragunov and Walter and Jordan Devon, my pick of the year is the man himself, Timothy Thatcher. Oh. oh. I just think Tim has turned everyone this year, and everyone now knows how great Timothy Thatcher is. Him and Ambition this year, him and Carrot this year, his performance in the WXW, his performance as a progress, his performance as the King of Shore Road in Ireland. Oh, yes. It's the man, it's Tim Thatcher. I actually can't believe you've got Tim. Tim's my number two. <laughs> Tim's my number two. And my number one is, I think, going to be a very popular pick this year, is his tag team partner and good friend, Walter. Our OTT champion, champion of my heart, even if I am the only one cheering him at the moment. Walter has just been unstoppable this year from Evolve to OTT to Progress to WXW to across the globe. And I think he deserves it. Tonight was the first night I didn't cheer Walter. I, I cheered against Walter. I cheered for Bonesaw, the hometown hero in Belfast. And Walter turned to me and he said, Sarah, you're so full of shit. <laughs> and I mean, he's not wrong. But Tim Thatcher, wrestler of the year. And there you have it, guys. Ring camp. <laughs> Ring camp for wrestlers of the year. Um, and yes. Check us out on Voice of Wrestling. Voice of Wrestling, Sarah and Sarah, for very serious wrestling content. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. Bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hi. I'm Arnold Furious. Uh, you may know me from uh, ReviewReviews.com, where I'm in charge and review stuff. Uh, or possibly from the Brit Rest Roundtable podcast uh, over at Voices of Wrestling. 
Uh, I'm here because the lovely Indie Corner people uh, asked me to record a little something detailing my Wrestler of the Year pick for 2018. Uh, this was, for me, anyway, a very simple choice. Uh, while a lot of wrestlers, especially in Europe, have had good years, only one has had a truly outstanding year, and that man is Volta. Uh, let me briefly talk you through some of his personal highs this year. Uh, way back in January, when Evolve was still good, if you can remember that far ago, he wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. in a banging match. He also chopped his best mate Timmy Thatcher square in the forehead at Progress back in January at Chapter 62. Uh, his Progress run this year is arguably the best run anyone has ever had in that promotion. Uh, look at the little throwaway matches even that he's had, uh, like Dunkzilla Marks Davis in, in February, uh, where Dunkey got chopped so hard he lactated blood. Uh, Walter's also had two outstanding matches with Zack Sabre Jr. in progress. The second one, uh, sort of towards the end of October, uh, I have Dan as my European match of the year. The only other matches that are pushing it are other Volta matches. Uh, Volta's long-standing feud with David Starr found a new home in both Progress and Fight Club Pro. Uh, even in uh, Fight Club Pro, Volta has found himself prominent and a focal point of storylines all year long. Uh, in the battle between Schadenfreude and Fight Club Pro itself. Uh, I've seen him wrestle Masato Tanaka this year. Uh, that was fantastic. Uh, in his home promotion of uh, WXW in Germany, uh, he's alternated between having outstanding singles matches with the likes of Ilya Dragunov, uh, the one from Superstars of Wrestling where he hit one chop and got his hand worked the whole match. That's one of my favourite matches of the year. It might be number two, actually, behind that Sabre match from Progress. And... Uh, also teaming with Tim Thatcher as Tim Ringkampf. Uh, at Carrot, he helped Ilya Dragunov become the man in WXW. At Tag League, he was a huge success, especially against the Lucha Brothers in the uh, the very strong block uh, that also featured CCK. Uh, over Mania weekend, uh, back in like March time, March, April, he continued to sell himself to the world. He battled uh, PCO in a freak show match at Joey Janela's Spring Bait 2. Uh, he's been champion almost everywhere he's been. Uh, he's main event star for PWG, the, the super indie. He was above every other wrestler in the world there. Uh, plus, like, OTT, he's had an incredible feud with Jordan Devlin, uh, resulting in uh, Volta capturing OTT's title. Uh, you know, just a, a red-hot match and a feud there. And then defending against Will Ospreay in another match that is on the shortlist for me for match of the year. Uh, in progress, he ditched the Atlas title because he was too good for it and came after the world title instead. Uh, bested Travis Banks, defended against Tyler Bate on their biggest show of the year. Uh, he was great in Defiant. He was great in Rev Pro. I could go on. Like He's been so great everywhere. Uh, his catalogue of matches from this year is the kind of portfolio that most wrestlers can only dream of attaining over their entire careers. He's done it in 12 months. And without a doubt for me, He's the best wrestler in the world. Before we get into our uh, final category, uh, which is going to be Wrestler of the Year, um, we've got a little subcategory because there's so many great tag teams in the UK, uh, the uh, in the UK and Europe rather at the minute. Um, I mean, Benno, some uh, tag teams that you wanted to give a shout out before before we got into Wrestler of the Year. 
Yeah, it's funny because, you know, doing these types of shows, it's most years, it's not really worth doing a tag team category, is it? Because usually there'll be one team that, that runs away with it. Um, yeah, just a, I think it's worth a shout out. I kind of think that the, for me, towards the end of this year, I think, you know, just, we were just talking RevPro, tag team wrestling has become really, really important to RevPro. And I think, you know, there's definitely uh, something you can do there. I think we've, we've got the a bit of a strength and depth now with tag teams, especially at that top level. Um, I, I'm never gonna. I'm not a person who's going to be voting for for Chris Brooks for for wrestler of the year, but as a tag team with Jonathan Gresham, I think that CCK team. You know, mm. JP mentioned uh, the tag league and how you know stacked their block was, but they they were an absolute highlight of that tournament for me. They've been an absolute highlight in, in the UK as well, having some of my favourite live matches, like the match with LAX and uh, other matches they've had in RevPro and, and Progress. Um, I really want to see those. I know Lycos is back, but I really want to see that team continue to team up in 2019 because they've been a favourite team of mine in 2018. Obviously, you know, we've already talked uh, quite a bit about Aussie Open. Um, they've had an incredible year. Um, and, and Team White Wolf as well uh, have kind of come out of nowhere and and really been um, lighting it up and, and getting headlines too. So, yeah, I do think we've got a quite a strong uh, tag uh, kind of di- division across the country, really. Lots of strong tag teams there, and especially at that top level. Uh, I'd like to see more of it next year, definitely. Also, what was good about the uh, Red Pro TV show, they really highlighted a lot of those tag teams and then the Hunter Brothers, and then obviously uh, going on maybe, and then obviously you've got uh, Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. who come over every now and again. So yeah, I think there has been a lot of uh, strong tag teams this year, for sure. Yeah, there is. I mean, there seems to be, it's it's one of those divisions where there's real depth around the country. And you mentioned about the Hunter Brothers, they fulfill a really important function of having regularly good to great tag matches and lots of small cap cards up and down the country for a lot of smaller promotions. And I think that's, that's really important as well. I mean, Ollie mentioned at the start about white wolf and the, the kind some of the matches they've had, you mentioned as well about Aussie open Martin. Um, and then beyond that thinking of tag, tag league and CCK. I mean, we're really spoiled for choice um, to the point. I'd just like to see a few more, tags headlining shows i think there's a lot more there that promotions could do going forward and it just be as a you know somebody who watched a lot of wcw in the early 90s it's the kind of stuff that makes me you know quite nostalgic and i and i, I really like to see good tag team wrestling yeah i suppose progress did that in manchester didn't they with that cck versus lax match and i like seeing a strong tag division and strong tag belts and if we can get that that would be absolutely great i think even the likes of the anti-thumb police have been a really good sleeper mm. tag team this year as well i think mustache mountain when they've teamed have been absolutely awesome that's some great matches i know it's not europe but some of the stuff they've done in nxt this year especially with undisputed era has been some of the best tag team wrestling i've definitely seen this year um so it's just a real kind of mix of different styles and different types of teams around the country and at different levels right now mm. yeah that MediaCon day was a big one for me just seeing flamita and bandido you know offering something different from a tag point of view jody and johnny that's oh, something yeah. you could do more with in 2019 uh, the little bits i saw of them this year if i'd have seen more of them that could be you know if we had a tag team of the year award i could definitely go with them um, yeah, there's definitely the numbers there. Uh, yeah, just maybe a promotion needs to, to really go with it. 
even the likes of say Zach Gibson and Charlie Sterling in OTT, mm. the little I've seen of them this year, they were they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Charlie Sterling's I think I think is a guy who gets really underrated. He's a great tag team wrestler. Um, Ashton Smith and Charlie Sterling, when we saw in PCW this year, were a great tag team for that one day as well. <laughs> so there's lots of potential for strong tag teams as well across the country. I think. Um, I think. Do you think some guys are scared to go in on going full on and with a tag team, perhaps? Like when you mm. actually think about it, like someone like a Charlie Stern and, and someone like a Zach Gibson. You think of who Zach Gibson teams with around the country. He's got Drake, he's got Charlie Stern, he had Bowden for a bit in Rev Pro. Doesn't seem to have that one consistent partner. So I wonder sometimes if people are that little bit scared of going all in on actually going forward as a tag team wrestler, maybe. Yeah, I think so, because obviously the, I think there might be a stigma still attached to it, because obviously, you know, WWE don't uh, really showcase tag teams that much, do they, on the main roster, so perhaps that, that could be it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Young Bucks are uh, a perfect example of uh, staying together as a team, can uh, work out for you sometimes. So, uh, yeah, perhaps there is perhaps there is some uh, nerves around that. But, um, I mean, moving on to our final category, and uh, the best wrestler in the British and European scene in 2018, I mean... We've had, had clips coming in from uh, a lot of special guests uh, inserted into the show and uh, who they picked. And um, it seems like this is, is going to be a landslide, um, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from what we talked about in Match of the Year earlier, it is uh, almost impossible to look past Walter for this one. And it, it's almost laughable. Like, obviously, the clips throughout this show, the amount of people who have been talking about Walter, the amount of times <laughs> we've been talking about Walter... Um, yeah, it's it's impossible to pick anyone other than Walter, I think, for European Wrestler of the Year. Obviously, guys like Osprey, Zack Sabre Jr. have been doing great stuff representing Europe, but their overall body of work in the continent uh, is obviously not as great as Walter is because they're not here as much. Um, and Jordan Devlin as well, you could mention him because of just the impact that he's had, especially in OTT. But like Walter's just had an impact literally everywhere he's been. I think OTT is obviously his best work this year, but he's done great stuff in Progress, great stuff in WXW, great stuff in Rev Pro when they've been able to use him, great stuff in Fight Club Pro as well, a part of Schadenfreude. Um, he's even been an attack and just, <laughs> you know, just everywhere he goes, he's a monster, he's a monolith. He is the best wrestler of the year, and it's impossible to look past him, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right on the money when you say as well about the the clips that have littered the show. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think we've had a clip that doesn't mention the word Walter. Every single <laughs> clip, yeah. even the people not maybe not voting for Walter, mention Walter. Um, just because of that year, he's had as you mentioned there, Ollie. He's my pick as well. Osprey, the Osprey match, the Devlin match, the Thatcher match, the Zack Sabre match twice, the Ilya match, the Ilya and John Klinger match, the Travis Banks match even, the Bait match, the Ishii match maybe wasn't quite up to that level. That's my only disappointment for Walter this year. It was great, but it wasn't you know on the level of those other matches. But yeah, we talked about him earlier in the show as final boss, and he's just been so important. This has almost been his gap year before he goes off to NXT UK next year, which is a bit of a shame uh, that we're not going to see him in quite as many places um, going into 2018. Although, you know, a big number of the list of matches I mentioned there happened in the promotions. He's still going to be allowed to work, so at least we've got that. Um, But yeah, it's no coincidence that his name has been ringing out throughout this podcast because he has... We were kind of... 
we lost a few wrestlers this year and we were calling out for somebody to step in and and be the man to be the boss and yeah it's been walter and yeah i just couldn't look past him uh, in any way to be honest yeah um have to go along with what both ollie and benno have said can't that's why i went for walter as well um i think it was partly the fact he was always the constant in the great matches that we brought up i mean obviously all of our matches of the year involved him um i think the thing that really sent it over the edge was the way that he was over as that kind of absolute mega heel in ott i think that was the thing possibly from a character perspective from that artistic perspective outside of the great matches that really stuck with me throughout that and it's wherever he goes i mean he is as close to a kind of sure thing for a a great headlining match that you're going to get in certainly in independent wrestling in 2018 he was the he was the reason why everybody decided to kind of hang their hat on him and, and go with go with walter as the main guy in all of these companies um we are so spoiled for great European talent at the moment in terms of the amount of great European wrestlers. And they'll come up in our notable mentions, people who've had amazing years as well. But Walter has always been that consistent from the start of the year through to the end of the year across all of the major promotions. And not even just in Europe, I mean, all over America as well, he's been uh, mm-hmm. ripping it up in PWG, I mean, all mm-hmm. over WrestleMania weekend, me and Joe were there live for his match against PCO at uh, oh. Spring Break, yeah, <laughs> the resurgence of PCO in wrestling, <laughs> I mean, that was where it all started, wasn't it? Yeah, so definitely, I mean, I've not picked Walter, I mean, it is Walter, but just for the sake of, uh, <laughs> just for the sake Keep of having something different, yeah, I don't want to be everyone on the grandma, but um, I thought I'd go with someone who's had a sort of equally great year, Jordan Devlin, I mean, he, he really broke out for me last year, obviously being crowned the OTT champion at the end of 2017 in a fantastic match against Mark Haskins, and he just hasn't looked back, really, I mean... Uh, we spoke, we've already spoken at great length about his match with Walter being one of the matches of the year in the world, not just in Europe. He's also had great matches against Tim Thatcher, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tyler Bate. And that's not even uh, forgetting his tag team with Sean Guinness and David Starr. Some of the great matches he had uh, team with them two guys. And uh, slowly started to feature more in progress, winning the fans over with a great over-the-head kick at Super Strong Style 16. And then... <coughs> having that belter with Will Ospreay at Chapter 72. And he, he also seems to have finally got the stink off the first WWE UK title tournament, as he had the, uh, Benno noted earlier, he had the best match on NXT UK against Pete Dunne, and possibly one of Pete Dunne's best matches he's had this year. I mean, just excelling everywhere he goes and making everyone else step their game up. I mean, absolutely fantastic year. Really interesting to see what he'll do in uh, 2019. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully, hopefully, he's going to get to have a chance that have that massive match. Sorry to bring him up again with Walter in <laughs> in Dublin. Yeah, for me, Devlin was right up there as well. My top three: Walter was number two, Devlin was number three. I've gone with Zack Saber Junior as my number one, and uh, to be honest, I think Walter's had more. Uh, higher matches if i look at my top 10 european match of the year walter's in seven of the 10 wow. which you know says it all better be similar um, worldwide as well yeah absolutely and when i look at but when i look at zach saber jr there's just a consistency and a diversity about him and i think that he's 
diversified and grown as a wrestler this year in a big way that's kind of gone unnoticed in a way. I think in previous years, he could be quite a self-indulgent wrestler and it would kind of, I don't know, let him down to a certain extent. I've been, I've been, you know, there in person for some really boring Zack Sabre Jr. matches in previous years um, and some great ones. But this year, I can't think of a bad match he's had. His consistency at sort of achieving kind of, I suppose, four-star level matches, let's say, but four-star plus to some extent has been like kind of ridiculous and kind of overlooked in many ways. Like when you look at his output over the year, he's worked epic main event style when he's needed to. He's had that, he had that great match with Walter in progress. He's had several great matches with Walter actually over the course of the year. Um, but he's also managed to get guys over and kind of make guys as well. You look at how he made a kid in Madrid this year when he went over to White Wolf. Uh, you know, have you ever seen a guy <laughs> made in one night in the way a kid was made this year by Zack Sabre Jr.? I'm not sure I ever have, especially in Europe. Like that match, I think, deserves all the plaudits that are thrown at it from an atmosphere point of view, but also from the way it was worked, if anything. And, Good on Zack Sabre Jr. for being so willing at this stage of his career to go to a place like White Wolf and put on a match like that. Because, you know, you could argue that it's kind of above his status at this point in time when he's a regular in New Japan. He's getting spots in the G1. He's winning the New Japan Cup. But he's still willing to go and do it. You look at what he did with Chuck Mambo in that Super Strong Style mm. tournament this year as well. His match of El Fantasmo in Rev Pro managed to get El Fantasmo over more with the Rev Pro crowd this year as well, and kind of made him with that cockpit crowd. I think that's kind of a sleeper match this year. Other thing with Zach as well that I think he gets quite underrated for is what an amazing tournament wrestler that he is. Mm. If you look at his output in tournaments, I know this is Europe, but you think about New Japan Cup and the G1 as well, and 16, not 16 carat, uh, super strong style this yep. year as well. You look at the sheer range of matches he had up and down those cards with such different opponents, and he wasn't just wrestling a Zack Sabre Jr. technical classic. He's added to to his kind of arsenal this year. He can work all sorts of different styles of match with all sorts of different opponents, whether they be high flyers, whether they be brawlers. He's a guy who's completely adaptable and can adapt his game to wherever he's facing off against. And I think he's really got it this year and really kind of fully clicked into a complete wrestler who, for me, is one of the top five wrestlers in the world at this point. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you there, Joe. And I feel uh, before Walter started dominating everything, I feel the first few months of the year, Zack Sabre Jr. was possibly nailed on mm. as uh, Wrestler of the Year for uh, the UK, all that stuff in New Japan. And then, like you mentioned, the uh, all, the, all the matches he was having at the cockpit. So, yeah, it's uh, certainly had a, a fantastic year, and it's hard to argue with anything you've said. Just to add to that as well, the tag team with Minoru Suzuki as well. I know they've only had four matches, but they've been really significant matches that really stood out. The chemistry between those guys is different level. You look at the job Zach did as well with getting Aussie Open over. Uh, Suzuki wasn't bumping for Aussie Open uh, in that match. <laughs> so Zach bumped double. And my God, did he make Mark Davis look good in that match. Like He's a guy who cares about this scene as well. He's invested in this scene. He had his cruiserweight classic run he got the noah stench off he went over to new japan and he's representing us worldwide let's say and yeah all the all the more power to him mm. because he's a joy to watch and ollie's going to be lucky enough to see the uh zach versus ishi match at the dome 
Absolutely. It's, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be awesome. going to be and special. Politics are spot on as well. Yeah. <laughs> right then, uh, we seem to have come to the end of our uh, official categories, but the show wasn't quite finished yet, has it, Benno? No, uh, you know us, we, we don't dwell on negatives on either show. Uh, <laughs> but we, we're not going to go do a full slate of uh, worst of the year, but I think it is. Uh, there's definitely some negatives of the year 2018 that we should definitely talk about. So, yeah, as has become Christmas tradition, let's uh, open up the floor and I call this the, the Get In The Bin Awards. Uh, it can be a promotion, a wrestler, a moment. Essentially, what's the worst thing of uh, Brit Res or Europe this year that you want to get rid of, that you want to put in the bin and you never want to see again? Um, come on, guys. I'm sure we'll get some entertaining examples. What's the what's the worst stuff in Brit um, Res and Europe this I, year? I would like to nominate WWE apologists, people <laughs> who are aware. Like, if you're not if you are not aware of what WWE does, what it is, you know, all its dodgy dealings. You know, that's okay. I'm not going to stop anyone from enjoying WWE. But if if you know that all, all, all of the politics surrounding it, you know, Trump donating, Saudi dealings, you know, all sorts of stuff. You know, the, the New York 64 tournament currently going on on Twitter uh, will cover a lot of things from their past and present that uh, you probably shouldn't support them for. If, if you're aware of all these things... And yet, still, you know, apologise for them. You know, NXT is good. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> I, they're doing such a good job with the women. That's progressive, right? Um, you know, and if you're sort of slagging off indie wrestlers for choosing not to work for them, and if you you know you're watching indie wrestling, and all you can talk about is, oh, I hope those wrestlers get signed to WWE. Like, you you you've clearly are conscious enough to enjoy these wrestlers doing what they're doing right now. Why can't you enjoy them? Why can't you enjoy that without bringing up WWE and just the all-consuming monolith because you're just allowing it to happen? You're, you're no better than anyone else a- a- actively supporting it if you're if you're like, oh, WWE are rubbish, but actually they do loads of other good things as well. Um, you know, Anybody to that point who wants Pentagon Junior? He's my best example. Yeah. When people go, I want to see Pentagon in WWE. Do you really? Do you want to see him lose <laughs> everything it's... that makes him good? All his moves, his look, his promos. Do you, do you want that to happen to Walter? Do you want that to happen to Kenny Omega? It's oh, truly having your cake and eating it by yeah. saying, "Oh well, the main roster is terrible, but NXT, great." <laughs> yeah, like, I'll probably stop buying as well. Like yeah, stop buying the guys over in Florida right now, and these guys under these shite contracts over here. Yeah, fair play to them. Consistent wage and all the rest of it. May yeah. have a lifestyle from it, but my God, are we going to see some guys get? absolutely lost in the shuffle not even lost in the shuffle probably just lost in orlando somewhere sitting in their flat and attending the performance center between nine and five every day never being seen on television ever again you know there's mr negative obviously (laughs) but joe where has axel dita jr been for the past uh, exact 10 months (laughs) that'd be a nightmare he's a talented bloke he's got to get on bloody evolve shows because he can't get a spot on an xt speaking of wwe apologists it's it's horribly anti-fan and as a fan you need to stick up You, you know it's kind of like consumer rights stuff. It's what Jim Sterling talks about all the time. You need to stick up as a fan because you are a fan and you can't just be like, oh, well, it's good for the wrestlers. So I guess it's good for me. 
like you, you have to be able to say well i enjoy this stuff as it is and i don't want it ruined otherwise i will stop enjoying it you can't force me to like it just because it's you know good financially for some of the wrestlers that i enjoy <laughs> the wrestlers ain't your fucking mates as well exactly that... unless they are your actual mates outside of the world of wrestling they're not your mates <laughs> yeah jim smallman may refer to every progress fan as his friends at progress shows he's not your fucking mate he is not your mate just stop on oh jim he's a lovely bloke he shakes hands with me and gives me the time of day he's not your mate He's taken the WWE money, and we'll get the narrative one there about we changed wrestling in Britain for the better. We got guys consistent contracts. Just wait for it. His podcast shite. He's changed as a bloke. He's not your mate. <laughs> oh damn, Joe! Well. Sent you a copy of his book for Christmas. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, believe it. progress didn't come up in promotion of the year. Crazy. Uh, anybody else got any good ones that can get in I the I mean, bed? mine, uh, some of them are left off for uh, legal reasons. but uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, there's a good few that are like yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. know it can't be helped and, and their hands are sort of tied, but signed a tied in with pros, I guess, but music in progress. I mean, oh. we talked oh. earlier about the presentation being A-plus in OTT earlier, ah. and like a huge part of presentation is having a killer soundtrack, in it. I mean, remember the days when you used to know every wrestler in the promotion based on their fantastic themes? I mean, the current progress roster themes are the biggest, worst load of music I have ever heard in my life. I mean, <laughs> we all thought the hot tag media stuff was bad, but compared to this, those guys seem like Beethoven, Back and Tchaikovsky all rolled into one. I mean, <laughs> I know folks are going to say, like, this is flogging a dead horse, but it, it's in my recent memory, thanks to the Sheffield show I recently attended. I mean, poor old yeah. Ilya Dragunov has to have some of the worst of them all. I mean, something that is supposed to sound like some kind of terrifying war drum just makes you hang your head in shame. I mean, invading armies would have laughed their head off being greeted by this racket that he's got. I mean, yeah, there's nothing they can do about it. It still doesn't make it any less annoying or shit. And whilst we're on mm -hmm. music, I mean, God damn it. I mean, that theme tune to NXT UK that they play 10 times in every fucking episode. Hey, there's a rap remix now. Exactly. And it sounds like the worst oh. kind of late 90s new metal that you can that can definitely get in the bin and any sort of like music that uh, is being used in british promotions that can get in the bin as well <laughs> we need more saliva that's all i've said <laughs> i have to say like following on from the music point of view it's just like every show is unboxing just don't have a clue who's coming yeah. out so much to the time it's like they they just cut over to it and it's like who's coming out now all right, all right this is this is jimmy avoc's new music is it <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it and it was like say such a big part. Well, it strips away an identity, doesn't it? Let's be mm. honest. And so much of the identity was established on that Philly film, and that's just gone now. Yeah, I've got I've got one thing I'd like to get in the bin. It's actually a particular venue, um, the Bowlers Convention Centre. <laughs> in yes, uh, yes. <laughs> what a what a shit heap. Um, it's it is awful. Um, need to stop using. I think uh, Defiance oh, have got a lot to answer for. It's it's a room. Oh, sorry. It's like a series of rooms. That is it. It's in the middle of an industrial estate that's really difficult to get to. If you haven't get there by car, don't bother trying. You're not going to be able to. There's no one around. There's no. There's no like pubs to go to or anything else. It's just wandering around and in, seeing Dave Meltzer wander around an industrial Ooh. estate in Manchester. <laughs> just thinking, this is weird. This got really weird. Here's Pat Patterson. Here's Jeff Jarrett. In an in an industrial estate what in Manchester. Pat Patterson have thought of that place, really. 
Oh, and it was early in the morning. As well, I say early, it was like sort of what half ten, eleven o'clock one day. After yeah, and we're just there, and it, and it was cold, and it felt like it was bollocking the audience. Yeah, and we're in the middle of this it. industrial estate, and I'm going, yeah, mate, this is shit. Dave Meltzer was the life and soul of a soulless venue. I'll yeah. give him that. I enjoyed the weekend, but that venue. Don't run it. Oh, it might be cheap. Don't run it. Can Not I, worth it. Can I follow on from that and add, follow on from Bowlers Convention Centre, tell you, someone else can go in the bin, Alex Shane and World of Sport. <laughs> Need I say more? Oof. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a anyone want to see that come back? I couldn't care to see it come back. <laughs> wasn't it? It's, it's, hard, it's hard to defend. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's hard to root for. I don't know if I'd rather see that come back than the one of the things I wanted to get in the bin was just these NXT UK double double headers yeah, they're putting yeah. on the network right now. That NXT UK mid card, to be honest, can get in the bin for me. I mean, I I don't need to see any more matches or combinations of Joseph Connors and Wolfgang and uh, th- those kind of guys who are just not interested in wild boar. There's just so much shoveled rubbish on that NXT UK show. I mean, for all of the you know the the effect i won't say damage the effect that nxt uk is having on the on the uk scene they could at least give us a good weekly product or a weekly product that isn't just acceptable um that thing is that show is just so hard to sit through um yeah i, I maybe wouldn't put the entirety of nxt uk in the bin i'm tempted um like uh like just in, said, mate, you <laughs> <laughs> hey, they gave us they gave us pete dunn and jordan devil and i enjoyed that takeover might be all right but those weekly shows yeah we waited for two years for for this and this is what we got um yeah nxt uk and the majority of it can definitely get in the bin yeah it's got a lot of parallels with brexit hasn't it you know they've been planning this thing for two years and this is the best they can come up with you know? <laughs> brexit <laughs> wrestling love it do you want to throw in a vote for icw jp well i was going to mention another promotion which did go into uh 2018 that that we haven't mentioned at all five star wrestling mm. oh it's better than icw I'd forgotten yeah. Never, ever come back. You don't have a <laughs> clue how to run a wrestling co- company. I don't. I would confidently predict I couldn't do a worse job than them. And I'm <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> just a, a show that just watching going. This is a clusterfuck. <laughs> really was from beginning to end. An experiment in how to piss away a lot of money. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Anything else anyone's got that you want to uh, get off the chest? Have you realised we've not mentioned women's wrestling once on this show? Now, my oh no, we have actually OTT put some good women's wrestling on this year. Yeah. But my exposure to women's wrestling this year really has been progress. Well, the women oh, in a company called Progress has been so unbelievably regressive and one-dimensional it's been an insult to some of those female workers the Ginny division needs to take a proper look at itself the second match division (laughs) indeed ollie indeed what an absolute shit show that division has been this year like they need to seriously sit back and actually maybe get some female writers on the division as well Mm -hmm. it feels to me like it's women's wrestling being written by men because it's the most lowest common denominator regressive mean girls style shite and i love mean girls what a great (laughs) film that is her house of couture was a group that formed through no explanation did absolutely nothing during their time together, developed no unique personalities, and then split up did they? for a reason that wasn't even highlighted. 
that, they I was at Wembley. I don't remember. Highlighted, and then they had a match, and now it's over. And they now it's just like they were on a, again. They all looked like they were going on a night out down like vodka revolutions or <laughs> yeah. something. Every time they came out, like I was looking at them thinking, "Is this wrestling? Like, what, what are you dressed like? Like, you look good. Not gonna lie, I'm a straight male, but like, you look like you're dressed up to the nines for a night out or something. Not to come to a fucking wrestling ring, like, ah." Mm. Oh, I think OTT again blew him out of the water in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Like, worst book division outside of main roster WWE this year. And there were parallels of main roster booking in progress this year, definitely. It does look like Jordan Grace has come to save progress from themselves, doesn't it? By just coming in and having, like, killer matches with people. But how long is that going to continue? Just wait till we put her in a stable or a tag team. (laughs) It's coming. Well, we got to think about Ginny. So, you know, and Laura Di Matteo, because she's good. <laughs> uh, anything else, or should we move on? Have we all got it off our chest? Do we feel better? I do feel oh, a little Oh, better. I haven't got everything off my chest, but Laura everything I. I can broadcast <laughs> off my chest. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep your finger on the other button there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one more. You might have oh, Woke wrestling. The grill gang. Do I carry on? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're best off moving on to uh... <laughs> uh, well let's move on to our our final uh, kind of subject and similar to to what uh, John and Way have, have historically done on on their year end shows uh, likely and unlikely what I'm going to do is um, post some scenarios uh, I'm going to put them together and see whether you guys think they're going to be likely or unlikely and maybe uh, this time next year we can have a little look and uh, see what came true and what didn't so some of it actually does tie in quite well to our get in the bin segment so I'll start uh, likely or unlikely uh, ITV comes back for a season two unlikely, unlikely. <laughs> yep it's unlikely as well. Yeah, it's all very quiet, isn't it? Yeah, I'd unlikely. say that's unlikely. It does seem like there's some head up in ITV that's like a big fan of wrestling, but surely even he can't like sell this to his colleagues. I, I, I just think at the end of the day, it seemed to be a wrestling show without wrestling. Hmm. And that's and that's fundamentally a problem. Um, and yeah, the presentation was hmm. so far behind the times that, yeah, it seems very unlikely to me. Yes, yeah, so we needed Rev- to uh, tie the editor's hands behind his back in certain moments, <laughs> didn't we? That's for sure. Definitely, yeah. I think I think that tour really gives away, like you say, the the, the game there. The fact that the cancelling dates already doesn't look good for me for another season. But then again, this time last year, I was saying I didn't think they'd even get a first season. So I guess we'll see. Um, Tied into that, then, do Rev Pro get a second season, likely or unlikely? Fifty-fifty, <sighs> unlikely, unfortunately. I really want it to be likely, but I'm going to say unlikely. I'm going to say likely mm. on the basis that this might not be something that comes back until February, March. I can see free sports wanting wrestling as a consistent product to just be fitting with part of their overall um, sporting portfolio. And given how, you know, it's it's a lot of it's about these TV companies just wanting this kind of content. So I can see them coming back for that. I'd love to see Free Sport do a wrestling block and maybe get buy in the New Japan and Access content as well. Bring Five yeah. Star back. Andy Q said that uh, you know the communication between him and Free Sports wasn't always the best. So perhaps they are 
planning on doing a second series, but leaving it till after Christmas, like you said, JP, so maybe February time. I suppose it all depends on how cost-effective it's from really, isn't it? Perhaps um, can petition the free sport guys and get a big <laughs> thing of cheese and some red wine, maybe. Uh, next one up. Uh, Marty Skirl works for a UK promotion in 2019, likely or unlikely? Very unlikely. unlikely. <laughs> Very not unlikely. One, not one booking. Was he in the UK at any point in 2018? Did he work Honor. anywhere? Ring of Honor. Ah, uh, yeah. Wasn't it? The last uh, match he had for a UK indie was that... Uh, that elite, elite. Uh, CCK match, yeah. Mm-hmm. The less said that about, the better, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the two Andys talk about him on the on the Rev Pro podcast as if he's like a, an old mate who's gone away to see that they're never going to see again. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't personally don't see him coming back at any time soon. I'm Just a bit contrarian, I'll say likely. But <laughs> <laughs> Rev Pro can draw a house of him at some point. I'm sure of it. So you, you never know. <laughs> uh, next one. Um, Wrestlegate run a single show in 2019, likely or unlikely. Ollie likely. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I mean, a lot of what has like them starting a Patreon for some reason and giving you a five percent discount on merch if you pay five pounds a month, which means you'd break even if you paid for a hundred pounds of merch every month, which seems wrong. <laughs> Um, their business is not in Patreon. Other people's businesses are in Patreon. Wrestling business is buying tickets and selling VODs, which doesn't go through Patreon, so it's bad. And obviously announcing people like Joe Doring eight months in advance or whatever, it's strange. I mean, I'm extremely here for Joe Doring, love Joe Doring, but an announcement culture has gone a bit too far recently. <laughs> but I, I do think they will run the shows. <laughs> how many shows i don't know yet but uh, yeah i think we're gonna get at least one <laughs> <laughs> i think it's uh, likely that first show will run but it's just it's mm-hmm. just like guys just we know you're all excited to set out a wrestling promotion for next year yeah. but just concentrate on the first show and get that out yeah there, just can't calm down forever, a little. yeah <laughs> yeah i think like you guys two shows max mm. to be honest with you i think i yeah just I don't see this coming off and yeah. Yeah. Don't see anything really more than a couple of shows. Um, next one, likely or unlikely all elite wrestling are a player in the UK and you can take that anywhere. You mean they get a TV deal in the UK. They become a presence in the UK. Sports. <laughs> all in two coming to Dublin. <laughs> hey, that could be possible. I would be I'd be surprised if All In isn't actually somewhere in Europe. But yeah, I think I, I think they'll do tours, but I don't think a TV deal is definitely not on the cards, I don't think. Mm. Likely or unlikely, Ilya Dragunov, David Starr, and Chris Brooks are all signed to contracts by the end of 2019. Unlikely all of them. Very likely at least one of them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say one of them feels like a sort of cast iron certainty in Ilya. Mm. But I don't... I don't think Star will, and it's frankly the kind of British wrestling scene is you know it needs someone like a Chris Brooks. This is kind of set up perfectly for him in a way, in in terms of how he can he can um, brand himself. So yeah, I I think likely Ilya, but not not the other two. 
Brooks seems to me like he thrives off that independence, not just mm. independent wrestling as an independent in the ring, but being able to brand himself, do mm. some design work yeah. as an independent as well. That seems to me like it's kind of like his bread and butter, if anything. And part of the job and part of the role that he loves doing. So I'd be very surprised at this point. Mm. Likely or unlikely, Trent, Tyler and Pete work Fight Club Pro by June. Unlikely, I think that was legit. <laughs> yeah, I'm I think it was legit as well. I think it's a work, but I'm a pessimist. I'm going to say likely. I'm going to say likely as well. Yeah, I think so as well. You look at what's happened with some of these WWE guys turning up in progress. You know, Hero doing his progress appearance last year. Um, Gnome Dar going over to ICW. It'll happen at some point. I know they're not necessarily right in there with WWE, but Trent's got to have some sway, surely, hasn't he? Mm, you'd think so. A couple more. One specifically for you, JP. Chuck Mambo, <laughs> progress champion. Likely or unlikely. <laughs> oh. I'll say any progress champion. I'll give you that. Oh, likely. <laughs> likely. I think What else think... win Atlas? Um, no, but I could certainly see him winning the tag belts with either. I would, that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise. Depends how, you know, I've obviously put him up there as one of my notable mentions for breakthrough of the year, but if he was progress champion, I'd be really worried. (laughs) So you would like to see that? I kind of would like to see it in a just sort of bizarre way, but yeah, I could certainly see him being a tag champion by the end of the year. We thought it'd never happen to either, so you never no. know. Uh, likely or unlikely, Progress won run Wembley again this year, SSC Arena to be exact. I don't know if likely. they exist by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they if they do exist, likely. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. I think they did well enough from that one to run it again. I think they probably had a, a bar of sort of like two or three thousand, and they obviously mm. went over that. So yeah, I think I think it's in, well. I don't think I don't think they know what's going on after the summer by the looks of it. I mean, they've not announced anything, and they already announced it this time last year, aren't they? So it's it's interesting that they're uh, all a bit dodgy about what dates they're doing. Mm. I, I thought it was I was suspicious because they they haven't announced it and they didn't at the end of the Wembley show. Um, yeah, I wonder whether they're, they're not going to bother with it. I think it year. depends on how big a fan Triple H is of indie wrestling. <laughs> hey, they outdrew that WWE house show that mm. ran there about a month later. They won't love that. Well, perhaps they'll do an NXT slash Progress joint show in some way, maybe. Because I don't know, I can see some sort of merger occurring at some point, and then them using it to use like the Progress branding in some way, kind of how they did ECW. I don't know. Hmm. Let's see. Well, to that point, really, and to something uh, Ollie just said as well, likely or unlikely, Progress or ICW get shut down by WWE <laughs> using that contract clause and uh, taking them out. Likely. Unlikely shut down, likely on the network. Mm. Yeah, I think I it's happening that, fine. Yeah. Well, we have been um, saying about the network for about three years now. <laughs> yeah, I, but I think this is, yeah, I think it's happening now. I think the wheels are in motion. I'm going likely because I just don't trust them evil bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just I think if any of the two is in is gonna be in dire straits, it's gonna be ICW. 
I think sure. if we look at the um, the game plan that Triple H is using from the uh, early to mid 80s here, and we look at the date that Stampede Wrestling was closed, uh, maybe we could follow that trajectory with a progress or an ICW and think, hey man, I'm in 1984 now on Vince's timeline. I better close one of these promotions down. <laughs> and he's been following that quite strictly so far, if you look at the parallels. Um, so yeah, I could see it happening. Fair enough. Uh, last one then, just for you, Joe. Uh, lightly or unlikely, Joe stops watching Progress altogether and starts watching Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Eve. Uh, like, s- serious things I'll have to... I- I'll probably have to be, like, brainwashed of some sort of personality transplant for that to happen. <laughs> like, I- my identity will be in tatters and either a promotion of a strong identity and I'm a man of a strong identity and those two identities well and truly clash. <laughs> I-, I ain't going near fucking Eve. <laughs> will you stop watching Progress? Probably not. I'll probably... I'll always keep an eye on it, but, you know... I've stopped watching WWE, really, so... Hmm. Hey. <laughs> we'll Big see. Fan. No, I can't see it happening. I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, back to you, Martin. Take us home. Right then. I mean, just before we uh, end the show, I just want to say a huge thanks to anybody and everybody that listened to the show this year. Really appreciate it. And obviously, thanks to everyone who contributed to the show today. And also... Massive thanks to John and Wade for bringing us on board the post train. It's been a great year and really appreciate everything they've done for us. And obviously you guys, thanks for coming on uh, Joe and JP. And obviously great year working with you, Ollie and Benno, as always. So, I mean, uh, before we head out of here, has anyone got anything to plug before uh, before we head out of here? I'll, I'll plug the, because we're on the post feed, I'll plug the Spotlight podcast, me, Joe, and JP. If you want to hear more of us, go in 27,000 hours per episode talking... <laughs> Sometimes British wrestling, but also wrestling from around the world. EastEnders. What else do we talk about, lads? Sopranos, Brookside. We get all the important topics in, don't we? Raul Moat. We're talking about the other day, which is, that was incredible. <laughs> Wherever the yeah. wind takes us, really, isn't it? That's it, yeah. So, yeah, if you, if you want some more of, that, more of us three together, yeah, check out the uh, the Indie Corners feed and check out the Spotlight uh, podcast. And, yeah, uh, this will also be on the Indie Corner feed. So if anyone doesn't listen to the British wrestling experience, uh, definitely uh, check that out too. And uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I just wanted to say in terms of um, some of the other stuff with the on Indie Corner, the, the website as well, in terms of graps and claps and some of the Puro stuff that we that's up on there. Have a read of that. Good save, JP. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Andy Ogden's Graps and Claps is a highlight, both in podcast form and in room form. <laughs> so long may it continue. <laughs> Love it. And uh, be sure to head over to postwrestling.com. Check out the rest of the shows. Obviously, John and Way, uh, Davey and Braden are doing a big, uh, it was live, uh, best of the year show. And obviously, the Christmas show is always fantastic. And you might hear some familiar voices on there. And of course, Post wrestling forum, yeah, and we'll be back in the new year with all the uh, latest on British, Irish, and German wrestling scenes. <laughs> <laughs>